You're listening to the General Geekery Podcast. Joe against Cobra and Destro fighting to save the day. He never gives up, he's always there, fighting for freedom over land and air. G.I. Joe, America's hero, G.I. Joe is there. G.I. Joe is the code name for America's daring, highly trained special mission force. Its purpose, to defend human freedom against Cobra, a ruthless terrorist organization determined to rule the world. He never gives up, he'll stay till the fight's won. G.I. Joe will dare. G.I. Joe. G.I. Joe. Welcome to another episode of General Geekery. Uh, you know, I don't know what episode it is. We pretty much stopped counting, mostly because we're pretty low-tech and we've run out of fingers and toes. So well, that's it, you know what when I upload the episodes I don't put a number on them anyway so oh yeah I know we used to do that when uh, uh, the first and second iteration of General Geekery and Re Geekery I guess was the second iteration yeah but uh, yeah yeah we kind of lost track so who cares um, we're recording this episode in advance because by the time you listen to this I'll be back in Ukraine and uh, my rotations are two months on one month off. Actually, it's about nine weeks on, one three weeks off, but uh, Skype's kind of touchy over there. I mean, it's touchy to begin with, so uh, we're recording a couple episodes in advance to um, make the time span in between uh, our episodes a little less. Um, with me, of course, as always, is JD. Hello. And both JD and I have had kind of a resurgence of the real American hero O-ring figures. Um, yep, in a big way. Yeah, totally. You know, with the the complete lack of Joes at retail um, for both of us, and I'm very much burned out on repaints and repacks that I, I've pretty much given up on the new G.I. Joe stuff. Yeah, and every time, every time the new stuff gets used gets Frankenstein together a lot of times it looks kind of gawky. It does. It's not it the the modern stuff does not hold nearly the magic for me that it once did. So I went back to the O-ring figures partially because of the stuff that Red Laser and Black Major were making. I yeah. kind of wanted to We need to I tapped that well a couple of times and then Brian sent me some O-ring figures that he had bought and that was it. It was a slippery slope. Well, was, yeah, I was so, going to say that it kind of all sparked from, I bought a collection from a, a friend of my cousin's, and uh, a lot of these figures that I got were just, you know, I got them out of his out of his garage, out of a dirty dirty box. I mean, it was, I'm like, you know what, because he wanted, I'm sure he probably wanted a lot of money for this. I'm like, dude, these are, this is garbage. You know, I mean, this is, you're not going to get anything for him if you were on, uh, hoping for, you know, retirement money for this. This isn't it. And yeah, he's, he was cool with that. And then I got him home and looked at him and. Oh, it's not garbage. No, uh, like three quarters uh, of these figures look like they just came off the card. 
Yep, they just needed new O-rings, really, because yeah. the the rubber O-rings tend to degrade over time. Whether they're, you know, whether they're well-used figures or not, it's you know, I, I've I've heard tales of people opening ones that they bought mint on card from eBay, and they you know they still said, oh, they moved it around a little bit, and the O-ring snapped. Yeah, so, exactly. So yeah, we've gone back to the uh, the vintage style stuff. Um, but, yeah, we're going to do a retrospective of our favorites from the entire Vintage Joe line, uh, year by year, top five from each of us, uh, from the 82 through 94 lines. And we're going to um, kind of put a spin on it, too. So, originally we were going to do the top five Joes and top five Cobras from every year. And then I thought, you know what, 82 is going to be really skewed. Because there's three covers yeah. in the whole line. Yeah. Four um, you can't the mailing. Well, and then, like Brian said, this forces us to pick our our our, our true favorites uh, without any padding. Like yeah. this, you know, this, really? this just makes it so that we can so that we can uh, uh, pick the ones that stand out the most to us, despite their affiliations. Right. So what we're gonna do is we're going to. We're going to do this. It's probably a couple episodes long. We're hoping to get, you know, two, maybe three episodes out of this. Maybe more. Who knows? Yeah. And at the end, we're going to tally up uh, our choices, and we're going to see who wins, G.I. Joe or Cobra. I haven't – I've already picked mine. I didn't I didn't count them up. I don't know. J.D.'s got his in his head. He doesn't know either. So we're going to add up – add them all up and – See where it goes. See who wins. Joe or Cobra? Who had the best figures? G.I. Joe or Cobra? Yep, and our listeners win in either case. Exactly. So, uh, first off, 1982. J.D., your first top figure for 1982. Stalker. Uh, He was camouflage. He had a beret. His file card said Ranger. And the mystique around that was just amazing because at the time... Uh, the, the military special ops units were still, I mean, they were still classified and, uh, the world at large, you know, was unaware of the operations that they conducted in the real world. And for Joe to straight out of the gate, introduce a spec ops guy into GI Joe was huge. Um, his file card was excellent. You know, he was a reformed gang leader who joined the army to escape that life. And, you know, he stood out immediately uh, for his leadership skills and his pure badassery. And that figure reflected it in every way. Uh, He was the first camouflage figure, and it's still magical for that. Absolutely. Um, uh, The figure, um, for for a line of figures that mostly just shared parts, um, Stalker is... Uh, he's unique in every way. Absolutely. So he's he, he's a clear he's a clear favorite. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my first one. I'm not to be cliche, but I'm going to go with Snake Eyes. I did not have. I didn't get into GI Joe until '83. Wine had um, had already released, so I didn't get any of the figures from '82. You know, they did. Um, 
a 1.5 wave release in 83, so a lot of the figures from 82 got re-released in 83. So I was able to get some of them at that point in time, but I never, never saw Snake Eyes. I had a friend that had one. But Snake Eyes, this was before all the ninja stuff, and I know a lot of fans are, you know, there's a lot of fans that really dig the ninja stuff, but this this guy exemplified badass before even that. He was, you know, you didn't know his name, you didn't know who he was, you didn't you didn't know anything about this guy other than he was a commando, that he was long-range recon patrol and non, and just the mystique around the figure, and he didn't look like any of the other figures in the line. No, he was wearing all black, and he was a commando, and he uh, he came with an Uzi, and yeah. at the time, you know, Uzi's had a magic to him because, you know, you saw him in movies, totally but you is. didn't really, you know, you didn't really realize the military actually used those. Uh, he's a good choice. Um, he, uh, yeah, Snake Eyes, he, he's just, he's, he was the lone operator, and he worked perfectly for that. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, he went on missions with the Joes, but uh, silent infiltration is just something that he did uh, when the rest of the team was, you know, working up to the mission. They were probably sending Snake Eyes in first. Yeah, so, and it's just yeah, amazing the, the mystique behind G.I. Joe, you know, basically in the comic books, how for a long time he was like the Punisher and Wolverine. They, he just he carried the title. Through the lean years, you know they they built so much around around that character. It just for one character to do, I think it, it it's continually impressive. All right, JD number two. Uh, <clears throat> not necessarily for uh, the figure himself, uh, because he was included with a vehicle, but it was the most obscure vehicle in the line. Uh, so for years, a lot of people didn't realize he had a figure. Uh, before his later, much more iconic in appearance look. But number two is Hawk. Uh, Hawk was the commander of G.I. Joe. He was the officer on the team. And he was the kick-ass and take names and uh, no-nonsense leader of the team. I mean, he just he didn't stand for any bullshit. And nobody was going to give him guff anyways because... You know, he's Hawk. He was a highly decorated military officer, and he got command of the Joe team uh, just based solely on the fact that he was he was no nonsense, but he also exemplified what a military officer needed to be. And while his figure was a little bland, uh, his appearance in the comic book wasn't. He had Absolutely. the blonde flat top, and uh, he had the thousand-yard stare. And he was going to chew you out after uh, he finished kicking Cobra's ass. Um, Hawk is a clear, uh, he's a clear choice for me. Absolutely. Um, I went, number two for me was uh, Cobra Officer. Um, you know, I, I think it was interesting at the time for, you know, every toy line at the time had their bad guys. You know, I mean, here's your bad guy, here's your bad guy. G.I. Joe was the first one that had, like, ranks. You know, it's like, oh, wow. You know, these, these guys are, like, organized. They have ranks to them. This is a Cobra officer. You know, and the, the file cards reflected the fact that, you know, the the cartoon always portrayed them as kind of dopes and jackasses. But, you know, the file card really portrayed these guys like they were not to be taken lightly. 
and they uh, came with the that figure came with the AK-47, which was you know a realistic weapon based on a you know the, obviously the real the real weapon. Who at the time you know was the weapon of choice of our enemies at the time, which was the the Russians. So I mean that that really kind of put a real world spin on that figure. That it's like you know these are the bad guys because they use the same weapons as our bad guys do. Well, and they were wearing masks, so they could be anybody. Yes, uh, they could be. Uh, they didn't need they didn't need background information because. Uh, you knew they distinguished themselves in the ranks of Cobra, and that's all you needed to know. Yes. All right, uh, number three for you there, JD. All right, it's the uh, soldier, the Cobra soldier. Um, I'm glad you picked the officer because I was going to flip a coin on that, but the, the troopers were, uh, I don't know, they were they were the perfect antithesis to G.I. Joe. Um, they were more faceless minions, but you knew that they were there to do a job and that was going to go badly for anybody that Cobra decided to take on. And the officer in that dark blue, it was, uh, it was iconic immediately out of the gate because Cobra was blue from the beginning, but that blue signified pure danger. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he had he had different web gear than the officer um, because they didn't need to carry as much. But uh, if you look at his sleeves, uh, one of the shoulders, uh, he had a garrote uh, strapped to the uniform. Oh, yeah. That about is that. some sick shit. Um, uh, that was that was hardcore. And for years, I didn't even know what it was when I was a kid. When I found out later, you know, as an adult, I'm like, oh. They meant business. Um, yeah, those guys, <clears throat> even their card art, that that the look in the, the soldier's face was scary. Absolutely. Uh, number three for me, um, I went with Scarlet. Um, you know, as a, as a child, all the way through to today, I've got a thing for redheads. TV. <laughs> um, and that's, that's, you know, it's just one of those things that's always kind of fed my, my love for redheads is, is definitely Scarlet. Um, she, the one thing I didn't like about the figure is she had, you know, long hair in the, in the comic book. And I think it added a lot of personality when it, when she was in the comic book that it kind of lacked in the figure, but it, what it, the figure lacked for personality, the file card made up for, and I'm yep. gonna because she was uh, the youngest of like what five siblings, and she all her they were all bigger brothers, and they were all martial arts experts. And she played into that uh, perfectly because yeah. I said, you know, they taught her the martial arts, and she mm-hmm. could kick, she could kick their asses, and really she could kick the ass of anybody on the Joe team that gave her shit, and. Lord knows, clutch. Uh, well, yes, <laughs> yeah. She handed him his ass a couple of times. Yeah, she did. And you know, I, I said that you know lacks personality on the the figure, but in a way, it doesn't. Um, if you look closely, uh, one sleeve she's got uh, hidden underneath. She's got a couple of throwing stars, and on the other one, she's got a got a holdout piece on um, on a, a rig that you know all she has to do is shake her arm, and it puts it in her hand. 
Yeah, and that is hardcore. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of the cool things that you don't notice right off until you're you're really playing with your figure and like, oh wow, look at that! She's got a little holdout pistol on a on a um, on a rig that will put it at, you know that she can palm it just by by uh, shaking. And I think she's got like a an explosive device on one leg and a knife on the other. And you know the figure was actually pretty well sculpted for the time too. Oh yeah, I, I and I think the lack of long hair. I think that was just a limitation with the engineering at the time. I agree. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I, I, I think if they'd done the ponytail, it would have been, uh, it would have been in the same hard plastic that yeah. the rest of the line was in, and it would have been brittle, and it would have been breaking off. And I think they just wanted to min- minimize the, uh, the wear and tear. Absolutely, that's what toys. I was thinking too. Because I mean, if they'd had a ponytail, you know, if they'd added a, if they had a ponytail on that figure when she came out. The right, the right now in this day and age, the scarlets that still had intact ponytails would be one of the rare, hard to find figures. Oh yeah, that would that would fetch a premium right now. I think. All right, uh, next one for uh, number four for you, JD. Rock and roll. Uh, mm-hmm. Rock and roll was my very first uh, figure that I ever got. Um, my dad got them for me at the PX, and uh, he had the ammo bandoliers around his torso. He had the blonde beard, and he came with an M60 machine gun, and um, you knew that he was mowing the Cobras down or the terrorists or whoever they were taking on with the greatest of ease. And his file card basically said he was a former surfer. Yes. He was real laid back. And his secondary military specialty was a PT instructor. So, knew on and off the battlefield, he was kicking some ass. Yes, um, definitely. And, I think that's one of my uh, favorite things about about rock and roll is his background as a, a California surfer. Yeah, and and you know what? In in a line again with a lot of shared parts, uh, he had the unique torso with the ammo, but that blonde beard just stood out in every way. Uh, it, it you know you could see. Uh, you could see see the former surf hippie on him, but uh, he still looked uh, he still looked like uh, a soldier. And I think that head sculpt is a, a nice nod to the Action Force or the uh, not the Action Force the the precursor to GI Joe the twelve inch figures. Oh, the um, Adventure Team. Adventure Team. Thank you. Just completely lost. I think that's it's a uh, that. Yeah, that's the, true. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It. it they may have actually done that intentionally. I didn't even think about that. I didn't either. It just hit me right now, as a matter of fact. So, um, number four for me, I'm going to pick uh, Stalker uh, for number four. Um, I thought it was, at the time, I, I wouldn't have, I didn't realize it, but now in this day and age, you kind of, it's progressive for 1982 to have some diversification first line of toys and we have an african-american in there i think that's in this day and age i think that's awesome that they did that even back then and yeah the file card like jd says you know former gang member that turned his life around and really did something with him and yeah the figure was awesome too Green Beret. so funny you know what i didn't bring up the ethnicity because even when i was a kid it didn't really matter to me right. and the significance of it isn't something you know, that I really, 
that I really understood until much, much later in life. But uh, I just saw him as, wow, this guy is going to kick some ass. And he was an ever-present um, member of the Joe team through the comics. I mean, long after his figure wasn't even available anymore, Stalker never went anywhere in the comics. And true. he was always a tried-and-true um, uh, second-in-command for the team, really. I mean, not by rank, but by position. He was Hawk's right hand, and uh, he exemplified that perfectly. Yeah, I yeah, when I think about it, it's like, yeah, he, he was one of the few that, you know, from the original, that, yeah, never went anywhere. Mm-mm. Uh, number five for you, JD. Uh, I'm actually changing my mind, simply because um, this is I tough. need to give some props to Flash. Um, Flash was a laser trooper, which... You know, I think when we were kids, we all used him. You know, we had Pew Pew Star Wars, you know, so yeah, we absolutely. all thought, hey, these guys get a laser rifle. Later, you find out it had more practical applications than that, but um, he had he had the padded uniform, and um, he just, even in his file card art, he looked like he meant business. Um, you know, as an electronics technician, that was a big deal back then because technology was... Um, you know, on the battlefield was changing, and he was the guy that was going to fix the equipment uh, if something really, if, if the shit hit the fan. So, um, yeah, Flash was, he was an awesome character that, um, and, and uh, I'm biased, I think he was the second or third figure that I got, but I still remember opening him saying, wow, he's, you know, and I was little, but, I mean, I'm a, everything about this guy stood out. Yeah, definitely. Um, my number five for 82, like I said, I didn't have a lot of these first figures because I didn't get into it until uh, 83. Uh, I went with uh, Hawk for my number five because he's from Denver, Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> There's that too. Like I said, I don't, um, I don't have a lot of... I didn't have most of these figures, so I don't have a lot of attachment to them. I, I, even when I was collecting, sort of, about 10 years ago, I didn't go back and get these guys, so I don't have a lot of attachment to these as a, as a kid. So, you know, I know that he's, he's, like, I think the only one of out of all the Joes that's ever from Colorado. So, mm. Well, there was one much later in the line, but we'll get to that. All right, so that's uh, that's 1982. All right, JD number one for you for 1983. 1983 really opened a lot of new doors, a lot of new specialties, a lot of. It was the year that that the Joes started taking on unique looks and uh, totally different specialties from the first line. Um, but my first choice. Uh, from 1983 is Gung-Ho. Um, man, <laughs> you know, the Marine fight song, uh, every time you look at that figure, you can see it. He had a chest tattoo that was the globe and anchor that was that's the symbol for the Marine Corps. And uh, he didn't wear a shirt. He just wore a vest with grenades on it. And he had grenades strapped to his leg for the grenade launcher that he included. 
He had the uh, iconic Marine cap, and he had a completely unique camouflage. It was a Marine, um, like, beach landing camouflage. It was it was so cool looking. And that stash, and <laughs> there's very few. I mean, there are lots of mustaches in the Joe line, but very few as hardcore looking as his handlebar mustache. Um, and one of the few peoples to go toe-to-toe with Storm Shadow and kick his ass. Mm, yep, yep. I mean, uh, and, and his bio. I mean, he's from Ferdinand's Louisiana. I mean, you know, he was raised in the swamps. Uh, you know, he was probably a bare-knuckle knife fighter. And uh, he was ripped, too. So, yeah. I mean, he looked like he could have picked up the vamp and held it up over his head. Absolutely. Um, uh, with one hand, and then he'd still be shooting the grenade launcher with the other hand. And even when he first showed up in the comic book, he was in the snow. He didn't wear a jacket. Nope. That. He was still shirtless. Yes, um, he was. He was, uh, he was absolutely hardcore. Um, gung-ho is just amazing. All right, so my first one for 1983. JD, tell me what my first pick for 1983 is. Uh, Torpedo, and I would have been surprised if he wasn't number one and two. Um, (laughs) Yes, Torpedo is my uh, top figure for 1983. He was my very first figure. My dad bought him for me. Um, And like J.D. was saying, most of this was when people started realizing what Spec Ops was, and he was a, a SEAL, and I didn't know what SEALs were at the time. And I thought it was just kind of a crappy figure, because it didn't, he came with, uh, uh, his, you know, his, his backpack, which was his oxygen tanks, his fins, which were pretty cool for a figure to come with fins and a spear gun. I'm like, man, this guy's kind of lame until I read his file card. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, I read his file card and I looked up at my dad and my dad's like, these guys are badasses. He says, there's nobody more hardcore than these guys. And I'm like, huh? All right. So, Torpedo is my favorite, all-time favorite uh, character as well. So, yep, that's my top pick for uh, 1983. No surprise there, I don't think. No. No. No, not, not from anybody listening either, I imagine. I would wager not. Or anybody that's seen my customs. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, 40 years later, Seals are still his favorite topic to customize. Yeah. All right, uh, your top pick for 83, then. Um, Doc. Ah. Uh, here's the cool thing about Doc. He wasn't, he was treated as a medic because the Joe team uh, didn't have a dedicated medic, even though medical training was Stalker's secondary military specialty. Oh, yeah, but, about that. but he wasn't just a medic. He was a doctor. He was a medical doctor. Yes. He was an officer and... He was, um, every time you watch a TV show uh, with military doctors on it, he exemplifies all of that. I mean, he's not, yeah, he'll go out to the field uh, when he needs to, but uh, if you need surgery, Doc's the guy that's going to give it to you. I mean, he could probably do an open heart transplant if he needed to. Um, And his file card said he was an avowed pacifist, and... That was unique for the military, but the military needs those too. Yeah. Um, Doc was, uh, he was a preeminent character that I, I imagine um, 
the Joes would go to him with his problems. Uh, he was probably, he was probably their, you know, therapist for, you know, lack of a better word. Um, so yeah, if your arm hurt or your head hurt or your brain hurt or your heart hurt, he was going to fix it all up in every way. I think one of the, Um, I think that's, yeah, I'd have to agree with that. I think one of the cool things as a kid was the stretcher he came with. Oh yeah, that was cool. That was unique. And, um, you had three figures. You could have two people carrying that stretcher and somebody laying on the stretcher. Up That's until true. then, and there the was stretcher, no accessories. And the stretcher attached to the Dragonfly helicopter skids. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, I never had the oh, Dragonfly. Yeah. yeah, it does. Um, but yeah, Doc was great. Um, you know, he had his, uh, you know, he had his medical kit, and uh, he had the stretcher. And if you look at the details on the figure, he had flares strapped to his helmet. So if they were in the shit, Doc was fully prepared. Yes. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I didn't know that it attached to the dragonfly. I've never had a dragonfly, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a, it was an interactivity that uh, they did a lot in the early line. Huh. Nice. I think I laid mine across the back of the vamp a couple of times and on the polar battle bear, but other than that, I don't think, I don't think I, yeah, like I said, I never had a dragonfly, so that's pretty cool. Um, my number two for 1983, I'm going to go with Snowjob. Um, I think this was a real cool departure from the first line of figures, which was, you know, predominantly green. So to have a, an Arctic soldier, and, you know, I lived in Colorado, so where I lived in Colorado, we got a lot of freaking snow. So, no, really? Yeah, I can't yeah. imagine. So it was cool to have, and, you know, my first vehicle was the Polar Battle Bear, so that worked out perfectly. Uh, the Flaming Red Beard that stands out, I think uh, also kind of is pretty cool. And one of the things that I always loved about G.I. Joe as a kid was the amount of accessories that uh, that G.I. Joe came with. I loved it when my new figures just came with an assload of accessories. However, I got kind of ticked off when my figure couldn't carry all the accessories that he came with. You know, if it came with still true today, absolutely. And you know, if I because I would lose stuff. You know, if he doesn't, if he's got a knife but there's no sheath to put it in, that gets lost. If he's got a pistol but there's no holster for it, that's going to get lost. But his skis and his poles attached to his backpack, and his his poles could go around his wrist, so he could still carry his his rifle. Uh, The only thing I don't like about that is. That is the rifle that the cartoon used for every Joe, and it turned, oh, yeah. it, in, turned it into a stereotypical piece of junk. And that, I was kind of disappointed with that. So I I would have liked to have had him, you know, with maybe an M16 or something like that instead of, you know, this made-up weapon. But that's my only complaint on Snowjob. Um... Number three for you, J.D. I'm going to go off the beaten path here. I'm going to go with Grand Slam. Um, Grand Slam was easily forgotten in the first series uh, because uh, he had red pads instead of orange like Flash. But uh, he was also included with a a vehicle that wasn't 
it's not even memorable now. Um, so he was easily forgettable. But in 1983, Grand Slam was was uh, reintroduced to the line, finally, with a completely distinct look. Uh, the pads were now silver, so he stood out. And he included the jump uh, jetpack, and that was amazing. Yeah, First of all, jetpacks awesome. were awesome because, you know, in the future, we're all going to have fucking jetpacks, right? Right. Sure, I'm sure we are. But uh, he had the silver pads, and he looked uh, very sci-fi, and it was very cool. I mean, he was sleek looking, and he didn't he, – he suddenly had a lot more mystique than the original figure did. Um, because he, they differentiated him in an unexpected way, and it was great. And that jetpack, when you put when you put that on him, you couldn't forget the character anymore after that. Um, uh, you know, as an engineer, uh, you know he probably would have been uh, off the battlefield uh, doing operation stuff um, as often as he would have been. Uh, on the battlefield, he wouldn't have been deployed all the time, but when they needed him, he was ready to go. Um, so, yeah, Grand Slam's number three for me. And I think it's it's pretty it's pretty interesting. You know, this is GI Joe still getting getting traction in in 1983. They had eight new figures in '83, um, single carded figures, and they had seven vehicle pilot, vehicle drivers in '83. I yep. think that's I think that's it's huge. I mean it, it it just like the the wheels are meeting the road here. The rubber's meeting the road right now because there's, you know, okay, we've got these cool figures. Guess what? Here's a ton of vehicles for these guys too. And it just it just branched out from there. Uh sadly that's, you know, one of our first repaints as well. So, yeah. Um, yeah, but it was it, it it was a repaint that was so far superior to the original that um, it, it, you can't even complain about it. Yeah. There are some repaints that do work, and there are some that do not. Uh, I think the early repaints do work because they had a purpose. You know, they weren't trying to... to in my mind, they weren't trying to cost-save, and they probably were, but... You know, I was young enough not to know what that was or care, so it was like, okay, here's this figure again, and with some with a with a different vehicle. So that made it okay for me at that point in time. And I, silver, yeah, that, nothing else in the line was silver at that point. Nothing. No, it's well, true. Uh, with one notable face mask. Yeah, but, and we'll get to that um, in a minute. Yeah, um, my number three, four. 84, or, uh, sorry, 83, is Major Blood. Um, I've never had the original Major Blood figure. Oh, you missed out. I know, I, a lot of these, I couldn't find where I was at, so I missed a lot of the early figures. Um, I didn't have this one as a kid, uh, but I absolutely love the character. The, the fact that he's, um, former... Like SAS, I think. Yeah. SAS is. Those guys are fucking badasses. I mean, they you know they they're right up there with the seals, as far as the amount of training that they do, 
the type of stuff that they do. So for this guy to be former SAS and, and French Foreign Legion, and I know some, I have a friend that's uh, for, former French Foreign Legion. I would not, never contemplate fucking with that guy. Never. And he, 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 he just, <laughs> you just, just be around him for five minutes and you're like, you know what, I, I don't, I don't know anything about you. I don't know why they all, all why everyone calls you Snake, but there's got to be a reason for it. And it's probably don't ask questions you yeah. don't want the answers to. Exactly, and it's probably because you're a badass. So having having met former French Foreign Legion and seen these guys firsthand, yeah, major blood. The figure, it it, it had some mystery to it with the the right arm because you didn't know if that was armor for to protect him against the rocket launcher that he came with you don't know if that was a mechanical arm it's never really alluded to and i i, I kind of like that it, it's it's something that it left it up to the imagination of the the fans i mean you ask anybody nowadays and you'll still get different answers You'll get, nope, that's, you know, it's protection for his handheld rocket launcher, or, nope, he's got a mechanical arm. And I really dig that. I think that the mystique of that is pretty cool. And the fact that he's got the dog tag sculpted on of all the guys that he's killed. Oh, yeah. Mm. And he was Australian, so he's the first uh, foreign blood in the line. And <laughs> pun not intended, but there you go. Um, and he had the eye patch. Yes. I mean, there's nothing more hardcore than an eye patch. Yeah, so I, I think the, like I said, I didn't have the figure, but I think the character and the file card really just make this guy. Um, and of course, you know the little poem that's on his file card, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he wrote that. bad poetry. Yeah, I that's love funny. That. So um, I think that's. That's hilarious, but uh, I, I think it's a, an awesome figure. So, uh, number four for you for 83. Um, you know, not to be too obvious here, but um, I think I'm going to have to go with uh, Destro. Um, his head was chrome. Chrome, not silver. Chrome. Yeah, and the vacuum metal. arms dealer. An arms dealer. That was the thing that back then... I don't think people believe people actually did and had always done throughout history. And yes. it was set up that basically that was his family history. He was, he, he was, he was the new generation, uh, from a family lineage that thrived on arms dealing and he was Scottish and he was, I mean, look at that figure. He's imposing. Yeah, I mean, for is. one, he was taller than everybody else in the line. Um, but, he was scary looking. I mean, like even, I mean, just stature wise, he was scary. And, and then you look at the Chrome mask and you're like, Oh yeah, let's not fuck with him. Absolutely. Um, no, yeah, I think that, I think that's a, a very worthy inclusion. Uh, number four for me for 83, uh, is going to be tripwire. Uh, he was the second figure that I ever had. Um, Never really liked the fact that he was portrayed as kind of a, as a doof in um, in the comic books, but the EOD guys, man, 
nobody has bigger balls than these guys. To, to having work, you know, I work in an area where there are extensive landmines, and it scares the shit out of me. And this guy goes in and takes care of that kind of stuff. Demining, I I got nothing but respect for the guys that do demining. And this was the first guy that you know, first guy that did that. And a, a, a real unique sculpt. I love the helmet, the mine detector plugged into his backpack, which I think is one of the first accessories that you know where it had something that went from the handheld accessory and plugged into his back into a backpack. You know, we I was going to say it was just flash and breaker until then. Oh yeah, breaker. That's right. Breaker had his headset. Uh, and then Flash had his, his, okay, so yeah, it's probably about the third figure that did that, but still, I think it, it was the first figure for me, and that, uh, he came with three landmines, and all three landmines plugged into his backpack, so again, one of the things that comes with a fair amount of equipment, and it all fits together nicely, so I, I liked that as well. Um, number five for you, J.D., Wild Bill. Um, he was air cavalry um, at a time when Vietnam was still freshly in everybody's mind um, <clears throat> because, you know, there were people that hadn't been back all that long and yeah. there were people that owed their lives to the air cavalry guys coming in in the helicopters and pulling them out of the shit fest. Um, that was... That was a specialty that the Joes needed, <clears throat> and it was a specialty that had a lot of um, um, a lot of uh, accolade heaped on it, and it was deserving. And he had a cowboy hat, which was just something that they didn't have to do it, but it was cool okay. that they did. Um, he was, <clears throat> you know, he wore. Uh, you know, he, he he put a he put a leather vest over his uh, flight suit, and he put the cowboy hat on, and he suddenly exemplified <clears throat> both the classic old west and military heroism. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, Wild Bill was uh, he was unique to the line, and really, he always would be. Um, but yeah, you, you, you can't help, you can't help but like Wild Bill. Agreed. Yeah. I never, like I said, I never had the Dragonfly, so I never had the original figure as a kid, never picked it up when I was recollecting, but I always liked the character in the comic books. Um, number five for me for 83, I went with Destro as well. Um, it's not surprising that we're picking some of the same guys. I figure that's going to happen just because of how few figures there are in the in the earlier waves. So I'm interested to see how it diversified. When the wine diversifies how close we are on some of our picks, that should be pretty interesting. Um, but I think one of the things that, that got me as a kid is one of the things that you've mentioned. I looked at this, looked at his file card, and I'm like, this is not a new guy, as in like a character. This is somebody that he's been around forever. His family has been around since, you know, since forever, I mean, this is a, to me, it was like, this is an established character, which is really cool, it's not like, it wasn't the faceless minions that we'd gotten in 82, that had no background story, 
Now, this guy had a background story that went back hundreds and hundreds of years, which I thought it was fantastic as a kid, and it's very unique. Um, and, yeah, the figure, the vacuum metal head was absolutely unique to the line. Um, in any other line, I don't, I can't think of, you know, maybe R2-D2 in Star Wars, it had the vacuum metal dome, but nothing else came close to that. For, you know, you get some of the droids from Star Wars, but the whole figure's like that. You know, it's just the head in that, and I think that's pretty cool. He had the, the rockets that are sculpted on, on the wrist rockets that are sculpted on one arm and the grenades that are sculpted on the other. And his backpack, oh, yeah. his backpack opened and had weapons sculpted inside of it and would hold the weapon that he, that he came with, which I thought was really, really cool. And it had a ton of weapons sculpted on the inside of that that uh, backpack. Cause I didn't it from a yeah, he was ready to sell some weapons. Um, he was ready to sell some, or he was ready to use of them. His, uh, he carried a sample of his inventory with him. Yeah, which which I thought, you know, as a kid, like, okay, he's this is either like, because my mom was selling Mary Kay at the time, and she had display cases. I'm like, okay, this is like mom's display case for her makeup, except he can pull one of these out and shoot somebody with it. I was going to say, if the shit goes down on the battlefield, well, he's ready to actually use those weapons instead of selling them. Yeah, exactly, which I thought was pretty awesome. So that's um, 1983, I think, for both of us. So yep. 1984, your top figure for 1984. Spirit. Um, <clears throat> all right, his color scheme leaves some something to be desired, but didn't matter. Everything else about this guy was magical and mystical. Uh, and, and it's part of his, you know, it's part of his character. It's written into his, his, uh, his character, but he was, uh, he was a tracker, but basically you, you find out later in life that he was, you know, he basically, you know, the army's got a thing for that now. It's called Pathfinder School. Um, he basically, uh, there's no hiding because spirit will find you. And, uh, you know, he had a rifle to shoot you. And if he couldn't find you, well, he had a bird companion. Yeah. That had a, would came find with you. American bald um, eagle, which I thought was pretty awesome. Yep. Yep. Came with a bald eagle and, and it was just, it was so very American. Yeah. Um, and it would clip onto his wrist too, which was pretty cool for the time. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, it was cool. I mean, Spirit just, uh, he had an aura about him that was just unmatched, really, forever in the line. Uh, he was another one that, from his introduction in the comics to the very end, he was always active with the team. I mean, you know, he was, um, yeah, he was just, he was just a cool character that you needed you needed somebody like that on the team. Um, um, you know, I like the idea that this guy would be meditating in his, uh, in his bunk. And then, um, you know, if, uh, you know, if the, if, if, uh, an invasion started, you know, he'd, he'd end his meditation and just start kicking some ass. Um, it was like a Zen like character. I mean, it was, I don't know. Spirit was awesome. And then a couple years later, when Predator came out, 
and there was that character Billy. Yeah, we got to see Spirit for real on the big screen. Totally. Yep. I think 1984. Okay, 1983. GI Joes, like I said, the rubber starting to meet the road. They start branching out a little bit. 1984. They're like, hey, that worked, and they got some steam, and really, none of the figures in that in that wave look like any any of the other figures previously or any of the figures in that wave. This is to me what exemplifies GI Joe. Each and every one of these characters is unique unto themselves, and for that wave and for that year, or for that for that wave and for that line. I think that this is where it really took off for me was 84. Um, my favorite character, and for G.I. Joe and Cobra, I mean, we saw a little, we saw the diversification, diversification of G.I. of Cobra start in 83, but I think it really takes off in 84. Um, my favorite character for 84 by far is Firefly. No shit. Absolutely. Um. <laughs> Absolutely, this uh, guy is saboteur. Yeah, the his file card said that he could get into anywhere undetected, and has, you know, he's he's claimed responsibility for all these, you know, these places that he's blown up. Nobody could stop this guy. His figure was awesome. Yeah, the the backpack had had explosives and tools sculpted into it. The the back panel opened on it. He came with the the really cool machine gun uh, and the the walkie-talkie or a radio detonator, which is what I used it for a lot. <laughs> Me too. And uh, the 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 explosives that were strapped onto him, and I think you know he had two little ones strapped under his wrist uh, and two bigger ones strapped onto his thigh. And the, the camo on this guy is phenomenal. The 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 gray on gray, you know, I've tried to make a custom of, of Firefly and I can I can never get a decent camouflage like this. I mean it's a very simple camouflage for nineteen eighty for this time, but I I can't ever get a I can't ever replicate a Firefly camo, camouflage that I like. I mean, it's, this is one of those things I've just never made a figure that I like as much as the original. So that is my top pick for 84. Uh, your second one there, JD? Uh, my second one uh, is a fairly easy choice, and it's a strange one because <clears throat> I had no no appreciation for the character when I was a kid. Um but uh, I've really taken to him now is uh, Copperhead. Um, uh, he yeah. really I just went with Copperhead too. Um, I, I think he was sort of meant to be a foil for um, uh, Gung Ho um, because you know he's another Swamp Guy. But um, yes, he he really um, Copperhead. He was just like you knew he was a loose cannon. I mean, even his file card. His file card said that he joined Cobra uh, for extra money to settle gambling debts, and um, from swamp when racing. he wasn't, um, when he wasn't, uh, <clears throat> you know, when he wasn't piloting the moccasin, you know, he was out 
<coughs> leading the troops through the backwoods. I mean, he was. <coughs> I mean, this guy was hardcore. And that water moccasin was a he, fucking awesome vehicle. Oh yeah, it floated. I, well, that was yeah, just, I, mean, I think that was the first it, vehicle I ever had that that floated. Yeah, it was. It was a you know, it was a swamp boat. It had the fans on the back of it and storage uh, and know, a little missile that fit it, underneath of it. The removable. Engine cover, the turret that turned, the, the removable glass, you know, plexiglass panel. It held four figures. Even, even you know, sitting in the water, it still held four figures. Um, and uh, really, if you look at a, you know, if you if you, you know, you see things on TV like the, you actually see uh, the swamp boats in the Everglades from Florida, even now. Um, you know, nothing can stop those things. And, yeah. uh, you know, if there was, if there was something, if there was terrain that the water moccasin couldn't get to, I could see Copperhead just hopping out and saying, I'll take it from here. Um, he was, he wasn't a character I took to when I was a kid, but man, I love that character now. He I, was, I love the colors um, of it. I mean, this is, they're kind of, they're, they're bordering on that neon that battle core really just went like all messed out on but they're not quite they're they're still appropriate yeah and uh the color popped in it a did. way that nothing else in the line did but you know he had the uh he had the armored helmet and um he just yeah i mean he was just he was scary uh you knew that this guy uh, could scrap with the best of them, and you knew that no matter what, um, Copperhead was, uh, he's another one that you couldn't hide from, but from totally different reason from Spirit, because, you know, he's going to hunt you down, and Absolutely. it was going to be nasty. Um, yeah, he's a character that's got a lot of magic for me that uh, that I found, really, as an adult, but man, it makes me wish I could go back and tell myself how cool he was then. <laughs> yeah, all right. My second one for uh, 84, um, this is where I start, where my Cobra starts to shine. Um, I'm going to go with Storm Shadow. Uh, again, I'm not trying to be cliche because I know Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow are, you know, like the two favorite characters for like everybody in G.I. Joe, but... It was 1984. This is the... If you grew up in the early 80s, this was the time of ninja movies. I mean, I can't tell you how many ninja movies. I was in martial arts at the time. There was a ninja movie coming out a couple times every year, or a bunch of them on HBO. I grew up totally enamored with the ninjas, as did every boy my age at that time. And Larry Hamas riding his foul card. This is another one that's like the Destro. This isn't, you know, this isn't somebody that's new. This is somebody, their family has gone back for, instead of hundreds of years, they've gone back thousands of years. And I thought, yeah, I, who does that? You know, I mean, that, there was nothing at the time for for characterization where, you know, this this is a character from a family that has existed for thousands of years and has, you know, potentially shaped the world as we know it as assassins. Um, and he came with 
a shit ton of cool gear. He came with nunchucks. He came with um, a bow. He came with two swords that fit in his backpack. His backpack opened. You know, it, he had the two throwing stars and the knife sculpted onto him. Um, the kind of the interesting point, I think at the time in the movies, if the ninjas were white, they were good guys. If the ninjas were black, they were bad guys. So this was kind of a, kind of a weird figure at that time. It was a me. contradiction, but absolutely. it was cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, didn't know what to make of it. Had, had a dojo back in Japan that uh, if you were good enough to get in to, to, to get in to be trained by Storm Shadow's family, then uh, you knew that uh, you exemplified uh, um, the killing spirit and he um, or the warrior spirit and the silent assassin. And this guy looked every bit of that. Yeah, and I, I think at some point in time they they either in the file cards or the the comic books, they allude to that this is the most dangerous guy on the planet. And I believe it, you know, from yeah. the file card and his figure. All right, number three for you, J.D. Um, <clears throat> well, three for me is uh, he was a favorite uh, when I was a kid, and he remained so roadblock. Mm. Um, this dude, he came equivalent with a 50 caliber machine gun. Um, the, the actual significance of that wasn't something, uh, I mean, I, I understood when I got him as a kid that, that the machine gun was big and bad. I didn't realize until much later how big and bad it was. Yeah. And that you really this dude can't fire was, one of these he was, he was, a, he was a monster. Like, yes. I mean, in stature and, uh, and his 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 battle readiness was, uh, yeah. You know, there was there was no stopping this guy. No, um, I, I remember with or without the machine gun. Yeah, I remember uh, Road because, Ro- or, uh, Rock and Roll saying that if if Cobra has somebody that can fire a fifty cal offhand, that they're quitting. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, he really just and and if he ran out of ammo, um, this dude was. He was a mountain of a guy, uh, and it's unfortunate the figure uh, does not exemplify that at all. Later roadblocks did. Yes. Uh, this one didn't, but again, you know, it was engineering was limited at the time. Um, Definitely. But um, if you looked at him in the comic book, he displayed the the moving mountain that he was supposed to be. I mean, if he ran out of ammo, he'd just pound you into jelly. Yeah. And he'd probably use that jelly to cook with because his secondary military specialty was he was a cook. Yes. And that was new. That was totally new. Yeah. Nobody else, nobody else did that. Nobody else's file card had alluded to that. And this guy was a gourmet chef. So, um, KP duty was his bread and butter again. No pun intended. Um, he was, he was serving it up on the battlefield and in the kitchen. Um, yeah, and he was another one from his first introduction in the comic book all the way till the end. He was a core member of the team to the point where it's like, wow, you sure this guy wasn't there from the beginning? Because right. there's nobody. Um, if you go out in the world now and you ask a bunch of people uh, to name a couple of Joes that they do remember, 
Roadblock is going to be on that list. Absolutely. I mean, you know, he was awesome. You know, he had a camouflage tank top on, and, uh, or well, I guess you call it a beater now, but yeah. he basically just, <clears throat> yeah, he looked, uh, he looked movie military, and that was awesome. Absolutely. Uh, the accessories, yeah, he came with that 50 cal. His tripod fit onto his backpack, and his backpack had a uh, detachable panel, which was pretty no, cool. that's true. And he, he came with the helmet, and, man, you never see, never see that anybody using Roblox with that helmet on. No, because um, I imagine this dude's got a huge head, and uh, what does he need a helmet for? Because... Um, I always figured that, that if he needed to, he could use his head for a batting ram because um, this dude was huge. I mean, I imagine that in real life, the guy would probably be nearly seven feet tall oh, yeah. and about nine feet wide. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, solid muscle. And, well, if you drove a, if they drove a Stinger Jeep into him, the Stinger Jeep would probably take more damage than Roadblock would. Yeah, I yeah, I think that his helmet was the first uh, one of the first accessories that I lost because I never used it. No, <laughs> no, no, he didn't need it. No. All right, uh, number three for me. Eighty four was a hard year for me. Um, the vehicle drivers really started to to come out. Uh, you know, so, like I said, it was a very very good year for diversification. Uh, my number three is Ricondo. Um, I like specialty people, you know, especially the specialty Vipers as they come out down the, the down the years. But you know, '83 uh, we saw the first Arctic Joe, which was snow snow job, and we we saw a lot of um, specialty diversification in '84 and the Jungle Trooper. I mean, this guy. Sounded like you could drop him into the worst places on the world and on the planet, and he'd be fine, and he'd excel. Yep. The jungle's got a hundred ways to kill you, except for Rakondo. Yep. And I, I loved the 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 boonie hat. Well, that's not a boonie hat, but the you know the the hat that he had. The the camouflage was awesome. The shirt that's you know tucked into his belt that comes out from underneath the 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 rucksack that he came with was great. The the rifle that had the camouflage the sculpted camouflage uh, uh, webbing on it. I love this figure. Absolutely love the 80, uh, 84 uh, Rakondo. Um, this guy was was a badass. And the the porn star mustache, you know the 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 uh, Magna PI mustache just just <clears throat> sells it, and he was another one that uh, in Predator we got to see him on the big screen because that's pretty much who Jesse Ventura was playing. Never mind the heavy machine gun. You look at him; he had the same hat, he had the mustache, and he was Ricondo. You know, I was going to say the same thing. I was going to say, you know, this is another one of the guys that showed up from Pre- showed up in Predator. And absolutely. Yep, I ain't got time to bleed. Scorpion sting, no big deal. Yep. Um, poison, uh, you know, uh, poisoned by a frog. I'm just gonna walk this off. Absolutely. Um, he he just uh, yeah he was gonna uh, he was gonna handle business. Absolutely. Uh, number 
four for you, JD. No, five. We're, uh, no, four, because that was, Ricardo was my number three. Okay. Um, You're number four. I'm absolutely going to have to go with, jeez, I hate to do this, but uh, Duke. Um, <clears throat> even <laughs> though much later in the line, Duke became overused, uh, it didn't matter. Cause, cause at the time that I got him, he was cool. Um, he was like the, he was the Hollywood version of a military leader. Um, but you know, yeah, I know the smile's a little uh, cheesy, but um, that file card art, um, his portrait, it still stands the test of time as one of the best. Um, he looked like a recruiting poster. Yes, he did. And he was, you know, he was the, the first shirt, uh, yeah. the top kick. You know, he was the first sergeant mm-hmm. of the unit. And I know when I was in the Army, the unit I was assigned to, my first sergeant hated me. But, um, you know, he drove me absolutely nuts. But every time he came out to the formation to address the, the, to, to address the unit, uh, yeah, he was Duke. I mean, he looked nothing like, but it didn't matter. The mystique was there. I, it gave me a whole new appreciation for Duke, and I, I, I loved him back to when I was a kid. Michael Bell's portrayal on the cartoon was, <clears throat> you know, was memorable to say the least. And um, Duke, uh, his file card even said they offered to them. They 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 tried to give him an officer's. Uh, promotion, and he basically said, "No, no, I'll, I'll I'll stay in the field and I'll lead the troops." Yep. Um, Duke was uh, he was a preeminent soldier, and the fact that um, you know the fact that that the first sergeant uh, came out that later in the line, but again, his first appearance in the comic was with Roadblock. Yes, and he was another one that you go back and you say, "Are you sure?" That he wasn't there from the beginning because it seems like he was. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I would agree. Uh, and I, I remember reading those comic books and, yeah, he's like, you know, as soon as, as, soon as we're done kicking your ass, I'm kicking your ass for looking at me funny. Yep, pretty much. Um, um, is, you know, I remember yeah. him saying, you guys are just a bunch of sorry, sorry a lot, and that's going to change right now. Yep, dress right dress. Inspection time, motherfuckers. Um, yeah, he was, uh, <clears throat> yeah, Duke was, Duke was, uh, he, he, he's memorable for a reason. Yeah, that's not, that's one of the figures I didn't have as a kid. So, um, number four for me, I'm going to go with. I did, my dad sent away for him. Oh. I remember when that box showed up in the mail and I didn't know what it was and I opened it and I'm like, what's this? What's <laughs> this magic that my dad has, uh, has graciously sent, uh, has graciously had sent to me. And uh, I don't even think I was reading. I don't. I'm not sure that I was even watching the cartoon yet at the time. But and uh, he just, yeah. It's like I held this figure in my hand. I'm like, this is glorious. Um, nice. So uh, number four for me, I went with uh, Ripcord. Um, I really liked the. This is another one of the specialty things that I really liked. Um, he was the first parachute figure for, you know, he didn't come with the parachute, but he was the first, um, 
paratrooper for G.I. Joe. And I really liked the, the paratroopers as a kid. Um, and not only was a paratrooper, he was a halo jumper. So that means they jump at high altitude, low opening. So these guys jump out of a plane at like 40,000 feet, and they don't open their parachute until like 500 feet. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you, they jump from so high up in the atmosphere that there's a reason he came with the, uh, with the oxygen. Yeah, they have to be on oxygen to jump when they jump. And, you know, they... they Pull the shoot at the last possible minute before it kill, last possible second before it kills him. And he had an awesome weapon. His um, his parachute web gear was was phenomenally sculpted. It had a you could see where there was a little altimeter. You could see where not the you could see where his rip cord was. Um, I think there was a little knife sculpted into it. His oxygen. He had a reserve chute sculpted onto it, onto the web gear. Um, it strapped onto him, um, and his oxygen mask plugged into into the front of that. And he had a real cool rifle, a real cool iconic rifle that came with him too. Uh, so, and I I really liked the figure. Well, not, I really liked the character. Uh, in the G.I. Joe comic books because he became enamored with one of the Crimson Guard, uh, a daughter of one of the Crimson Guard guys. And they sent Ace and Ripcord to do a, a patrol over Cobra Island and he ejected and parachuted into Cobra Island by himself to go after his, his girl. And, you know, Duke knew that he was going to do that. So, um, I really liked that figure as, you know, he, he was a badass. So, that was my number four for 1984. Uh, your number five for 84, J.D.? Oh, this one's easy, and I saved the best for last. Zartan. Um, <clears throat> Zartan is not just my favorite bad guy in the Joe line. He may very well be my favorite bad guy from all of fiction. This guy can be anybody, do anything, and never get noticed. Um, he was... And the Master of Disguise thing really was only scratching the surface of, uh, of what he could do, but it was flawlessly pulled off in the comic book with that, I don't know, I think they called it, uh, it was uh, holographic yeah. illusion or something. Yeah, it was but, holograms in the um, comic book. <clears throat> but, you know, <clears throat> it, was, uh, it was a sci-fi idea back then. But it didn't matter because it fit perfectly naturally. It seemed uh, <clears throat> wholly rational. Yep. And absolutely. The fact was, um, even the even the cartoon found the perfect way to do it, where he put on a rubber mask, Mission Impossible style, and he could be anybody. And he impersonated many of the Joes, uh, some of the command structure uh, from the Pentagon, and. You know, in the comics, he, you know, uh, well, he posed as, as one of the ninja masters from the Arashikagi. Um, 
they set him up later that he was the assassin that took out Storm Shadow's uncle, the Hard Master. Um, but if you just look at the figure himself, um, he had the hood, which was which was the epitome of mystery. Um, <clears throat> you know he, uh, you know he had the um, he had the armor, which uh, other people in the in the line had armor, but not, not like, like this. this. Um, I mean, this ship was form fitting. This ship was custom made, and he had the armored boots. And he just looked like a freak. And that was both a good and a bad thing. Because um, he could pose as anybody else. But if he was standing there just being Zartan, that was just as scary as if he was, you know, pretending to be your boss with nefarious purposes. Um, Zartan is, he is the epitome of, 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 of a villain, I mean, later in the in the in the books, he was responsible for, you know, he he took out Serpentor, um, you know, he he uh, he basically, you know, he had a biker gang to follow them around, but he didn't need them. No. Um, it was like they were just his, they were his, they were his minions. Um, he didn't need them because he was a warrior all on his own, and and the figure itself, um, he turned blue in the sun. What the hell? First of all, there had never been anything in this line like that. There wasn't really anything like that in any other toy line. And that's never been replicated. Not one Zartan figure after that, of the many he's had, has ever had the color-changing feature. Uh, One of the 25th anniversary ones did. Yeah, but it was just the face. Was it? It didn't... It wasn't like that. Like, this guy would turn fully blue yeah and i mean and and not just blue not like thrawn blue smurf blue no this guy was like midnight blue and it was the perfect camouflage because when he turned blue he was going to kill you and you never would have known he was there yes um zartan is a complete badass he stands above just about any other pop culture villain in my head because he could impersonate all of the other pop culture villains <clears throat> and do it with a laugh and a knife. Yep. Um, Zartan is fucking amazing. I was and if he really had, surprised if, no, if you didn't pick Zartan for 1984. I really was. No, I just, no. <clears throat> no, I just saved him for last because he was, um, he was... There was there was such there was such a, a stigma around um, around every uh, there there was a stigma on everybody else that was around him because uh, if you couldn't find somebody and they went missing there was a chance that they're not missing at all Zartan knows where they are or knows where the remains are yeah it's it's in a swamp somewhere yeah um, tied to a tree while the alligators. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's Zartan. Oh, God. Love that character so much. I mean, and, 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 and I'll mention one other thing. I loved him in the comic. I loved him in the cartoon. And uh, back in, I think, 2009, at the Canadian Joe convention, uh, 
his voice actor was Zach Hoffman, and I got to meet him. Nice. Um, I got to meet him. I got to talk to Zartan. I sat in on his panel when he talked about how much fun it was to play Zartan, and then he and then and then he did the Zartan voice. Nice. And he said some of the lines, and it was chilling. Oh, In fact, I got chills again just thinking about it. Um, you know, he autographed a comic for me. <clears throat> he said that he didn't have a lot, because uh, somebody asked him, do you have a lot of Sartan merchandise? And he said, no, not that, you know, not that I can find. I never had much of it. And uh, I actually went and I bought him a comic book with Zartan on the cover, and I said, here, you need this. <laughs> um, and it just, I don't know. And then I remember there was a Devil's Due comic back in 2004. Uh, one of the alternate covers was a was a painting of Zartan's face, and uh, and he basically had one of the I don't know if it was the happy or sad you know the ceramic mask. Uh, he had it uh, held up next to his face, and he had the hood over his head, and it is I think still my favorite piece of Joe art ever. Nice. Um, Zartan is just, oh, he's pure badass. Right, he, uh, my number yeah, he's five? The t- he's the top of 84 and probably the top of my villain pile for the line. But All right, my number five for 84? Zartan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad we're of the same mind. Absolutely. This, this, man. this figure was... I, I I actually still have stuff to add. You went on a Taya Tribe for like five minutes on this guy, and I still have stuff to add. This guy had a vehicle that would break down, and he could carry it in his in the little sled that it came with, um, and you could reassemble it. So I mean, it's like he, okay, if he gets caught, he can oh, yeah. just, he could just disassemble his vehicle, and it it just he looks like a junk trader all of a sudden. You know the the well, figure, yeah. figure changed color. He had a, a mask that that fit into his hood, that fit into his backpack. So, yeah, the backpack would, like, in my mind, like Mission Impossible style, would make whatever face he he needed at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, if I remember right, and I probably don't, he spoke, he speaks, like, 32 different languages, including dialects and accents. Yep, and he was a ventriloquist, and... A perfect mimic of behavior. Yes, which um, is very hard to do. And not only that, this this figure caused some controversy in 1984 because his original file card said that he was uh, paranoid schizophrenic. Which, oh, that's right. Which um, <laughs> that didn't go over well. No, it did not go over well with the uh, parents groups, and um, I don't remember who all. I was too young to really care, but uh, I remember my mom. Because I already had the figure, and my mom had told me about it. Um, that yeah, that they had to go back and uh, retcon his file card. Yeah, they they basically the uproar basically said, "Why are you giving people uh, with this horrid uh, mental disorder? <clears throat> why are you basically making uh, the guy with the mental health issues the ultimate bad guy? Because right. you you know it's gonna." It's going to put, it's going to give a negative um, uh, belief about the disease, or not the disease, the condition to uh, the world that doesn't know about these things. And maybe it was a little bit uh, 
of a mountain out of a mole hill, or maybe not. Maybe it was that big of a deal. I just know that to, to read the act, the original file card, that's powerful shit. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? You're right. That backpack was his whole disguise kit. You're right. It, 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 it could make whatever mask you needed. Uh, it probably carried his wigs and 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 uh, and his makeup and uh, his alternate costumes and uh, it, it it was a lot inside that like a box of mystery where it fit um, twenty times more stuff than the size of it. It's like Tardis, really. Yeah. Um, in backpack form. Um, and you know what? I never mentioned the swamp gear because uh, I had it when I was a kid, but I lost most of the pieces because it came apart. So. Yeah, it's not. Uh, it, that one's not stuck in my memory because I had Zartan, and that's all that mattered. Right, and I think, um, you know, I think probably one of my all-time favorite figures, you know, like physical figures, is the um, Pursuit of Cobra Zartan. <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, especially the one with the with the uh, Arnold Lou likeness. Um, that figure just, interchangeable man. heads, the the hood that comes off, the the like kind of cryptic painting on his chest. Or is that tattoo? Yeah, it was is scary. That... You know what? That was the first Zartan figure, really, since the original uh, that that embodied uh, scary. Yeah, the you know the the vest for the to impersonate the GI Joe, the the bug out bag that he came with the. The rifle that he came with was was pretty cool, even though it was kind of weak plastic. Um, the the staff that his his falcon fit on, and you know the little hood that would go on his falcon that came off. I mean that I think that the and there was like goggles for the the for the like GI Joe head too. So I mean this. That figure was fucking awesome, and we got it a long time before Pursuit of Cobra came out because um, a lot of these may, hit it, uh, walked out the back door somehow, and were on eBay. So a lot of us got these, uh, some of these Pursuit of Cobra figures, um, way before they were ever released. And this is definitely one of those that I think I bought like two or three of these things. Yeah, and this is the rare case where we have to bring up a much later figure because it too captured the mystique of what this character was supposed to be. I, I honestly don't think there's ever been any other, any other thing like that in the line of G.I. Joe where they've, where they've done another figure and it captured the mystique of the original figure. Yep. Agreed. Where it's, you know, it's completely different from the original, but it's not. You know, I mean, it's, yeah. So, that's 1984. So, 1985, your top pick for 1985. Lady J. Oh. I I always think she's one of the first characters um, that I can say the character herself overshadows the actual figure. Because there really isn't anything wrong with the Lady J figure. It was just that it wasn't as... um, um, it wasn't as interesting as she was portrayed to be because in the comics she always wore the same outfit that she did in the in the um, on the toy. But uh, even the colorists they usually made the uniform a little bit darker green, and um, and she she used a regular rifle in the comics where the figure kind of included 
that that power javelin, little odd. Um, the coolest thing she came with was the camera because yes. you know she's she's a she's counter espionage. So you know she'd do this infiltration stuff. Um, you know she she'd go in, she'd take the pictures of whatever it was that they were invading, and you know she'd get she'd go behind the enemy lines uh, to get this recon and then bring it back. Um, yeah, she was a uh, yeah she she was she was an amazing character, and again, like Zartan, one of the few where I think her portrayal on the comic. Uh, in the comic, was every bit as cool as her portrayal in the cartoon. And her voice actress, Mary McDonald Lewis, um, she had this this mm, this smoky, uh, sexy voice, and the character really captured it. And I'm one that I like. I like the cap. Um, I like yeah, it simply because too. it differentiated her from the other females on the Joe team, but it also lent an air of badass uh, because there were few other characters in the line at that point that had the iconic headgear like she did. And it had Uh, jump wings sculpted into it, so if I remember right. Yep, she was um, at a time when, um, when, uh, you know, because even now, even now in, in the real world military, Women don't, I mean, they can't really do the special ops stuff. Not that they can't, it's just, you know, they just don't. But she did, and, and like, she was a ranger through and through, and that's how I always saw her. And yeah. she was another one. She showed up in the comic and never went away. She always had a huge part years after her figure was out of the stores. Um, she never went anywhere, and... I think it was a big loss when they started doing team repaints like uh, Tiger Force and um, and uh, um, uh, like the Slaughters Marauders that Lady J was never given any of those treatments because yeah, she would have fit in perfectly yeah, with those I think those a, Night teams. Force, a Night Force Lady J would have been pretty cool. Uh, I just didn't mention her because at the time the Toys R Us ordered the Night Force. Uh, they wanted figures from that were basically current in the line to be repainted. Yeah. Um, that's why everything from 88 uh, was 87 characters. And I think that's the one reason why Lady J didn't get looked at. Because in 97, when the line was sort of soft, softly reintroduced, she did get a Night Force figure for, for all intents and purposes. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Lady J was an ass kicker. And Absolutely. she was, uh, and she, well, she's hot, you know, she just, what the hell? I mean, and look, I got a thing for women in uniforms and that might be partially Lady J's fault, you know? So, Hey, when I was in the army, there were a couple girls. I'm like, yeah, Lady J. so, <laughs> um, I mean, and, and, and I'm not being a chauvinist. No. I just, I think she gave, <clears throat> she gave, uh, she was a great avatar for women that decided to take the oath and she was a warrior and she was never once treated as anything less than a warrior badass. Yeah, um, I'd agree with she, that. Yeah, and again, the comic and the cartoon perfectly exemplified what a strong, independent, um, <clears throat> ass-kicking woman could do uh, 
with the uniform. I mean, she just, yeah, she was, she's awesome. Um, yeah, she's number one from 85 for me. Yeah, okay. Number one for 1985 for me, Cobra Eel. No shit. No shit. Wow, really? Wow, straight out of the wild blue yonder there on that one. Yeah. Uh, the, the, this is kind of like the first example of the spec ops that Cobra has. That's true. I don't think that they had really had a special op, special operations unit until they had the eels. It's definitely the first, like, okay, now we're going to have specialties. So 85 was kind of, even though they're not vipers still, it's the first... I think it's the first hint of, um, well, Televiper came out that year, so I think it's it's kind of between that and the Televiper, it, it's the first branch of the vi- the specialty Vipers that we. Yeah, see. but but the Televipers were, you know, they were computer nerds. They weren't out kicking somebody's ass. Yeah, and the um, the eels are basically supposed to be the equivalent of the the U.S. Navy SEALs. So you I was going to say, so hardcore. everything you said about Torpedo, and put a Cobra sigil on it. Yeah, and put um, a little less, you know, morals behind that. Uh, oh, a whole lot less. Um, they'll kill anybody, anywhere, for any reason, or no reason. It doesn't matter. And um, then, you know, the training that these guys go through on the file card is like, you know, there isn't, a, a, there isn't attrition. These guys don't wash out. They die out. If you don't graduate, you don't live. I was going to say, you don't live to ring the bell. Yeah, so I think the 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 equipment was fantastic. Of course, he had the, what Torpedo was lacking was a uh, air hose from his backpack to his face mask. Um, still with the spear gun thing, though, you know? Um, so a lot of... A lot of time, most of the time as a kid, I I didn't have these guys as like amphibious troopers that they were meant to be, because it just you know he had a spear gun, so I just used them as divers. Uh, the backpack was two pieces, so he could either have you know his rebreather backpack, and then you could add like this little like underwater jet propulsion thing to it, which was pretty cool. And then of course uh, flippers. So uh, I think. The eel is definitely my top pick for 85. You know what? I'll point out one thing, too, that they mentioned, and, and I had never noticed it before. I was listening to G.I. Joe Berg, and one of those guys pointed out that all the other masked cobras in the line, if you look at their eyes, they're sort of there, but they don't have any expression. If you look at the eel, you look at the eyes and the eyebrows that are very visible under that mask, He's got angry eyebrows. Yeah, he does. He is emoting on that figure. Like, he is saying, uh, I'm pissed off and I- I'm going to kill somebody. I'm going to kill you. Because yeah. I'm looking at you that way. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, number two for you, JD. Yep. Um, and this is where uh, things really started to branch out uh, in every way. Um including with the Joes, um, but barbecue. Um, really? All right. It was, he was, the one thing about his figure that always bugged me when he was a kid was that his helmet did not come off yeah. because 
he took the helmet off a lot in the comic. Yeah. And, and in he 13. had this, this red curly hair and he had this fiery Irish personality. Yes. Um, for a guy named Gabriel Kelly, who's clearly Boston Irish, had the accent and everything. Yeah, let's go park the car in the, in the, in the, in the cartoon. He was an amazing character and the figure. It was it was badass looking, it was. but he couldn't capture it because his helmet didn't come off. And it was the one thing that I wished when they repainted him later um, that if they weren't saving costs and they had done some retooling on the on the figure, I would have liked to have think that 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 they could have done one uh, that if the helmet couldn't come off, that they could have at least done like they did with the eel and sculpted the new helmet so you, at least you could see the eyes. You know, uh, yeah. with the with the with the uh, Irish temper behind them, um, <clears throat> barbecue was a great figure, and he came with an axe. Nobody else had an axe. Yep. I know it. I know it was for firefighting. I know it was for breaking down doors. But damned if that doesn't have the blood of some cobras on it. He didn't chop their hands off. Uh, he chopped their feet off. You know, he had to. You know, this stuff just this was just cool. His um, his backpack came apart. I never really under understood why it came apart as a kid, but I didn't care. It was just like an action feature. Exactly. I didn't either. I never even questioned it. Um, but you know, he was orange, which nobody else was in that line. But he wasn't uh, right. He was, Blowtorch you know, was, he was orange the year before. He was pink. He was not. He was pink, pink and yellow. Pink. Pink. No. Pink. No. That's um, orange. Pink. I almost picked Blowtorch. He was douchey neon pink. I almost picked Blowtorch because he was my third G.I. Joe figure, but... Oh, I'm sorry about that. Um, uh, And I like Blowtorch. Well, okay, here's the thing with Barbecue. He was orange, but it was was like a dark orange. He was muted. It it, it looked exactly what a a science fiction firefighter would look like. Totally. But it was totally grounded in reality. You know, because firefighters, they wear a lot of gear you know they wear the helmets and, and they the wear the rebreathers gear. in them and the masks and everything but this guy just had like a high-tech version of that and barbecue was such an interesting looking figure um he just i don't know he was just cool and unfortunately uh his little uh his little uh, firefighting pistol whatever that thing was when i was a kid i didn't have it much after i opened him um <laughs> So, Which was a I, shame because it, it pegged onto his leg. Uh, yeah, no kidding. Um, uh, but you know what? It was one of those things. I lost it, but it doesn't matter because lost accessories, that didn't affect you know anything about the figure. You know, I'd give him a different rifle and pretend it did the same thing. Yeah. But, you know, Barbecue, he was just such a fun and interesting character that the one flaw it had was we couldn't see his face. But, yeah, for... He was one where Sunbow's characterization definitely sold me on that character in a way that I might not have been otherwise. Um, yeah, but Barbecue, he was a he was a damn interesting uh, release, and uh, uh, yet again another branch for the Joe line that they didn't have before. Yeah, yeah. they had a flamethrower, but this guy was a firefighter, and you knew that when he wasn't on mission on the weekends. He was probably back home as a volunteer firefighter. And, you know, firefighters, we know they're heroes. And this guy, he, you know. He was like third, it, it, third or fourth generation um, 
Boston Fire Department too. Yep, and 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 I like generation. to think that that uh, the only reason <clears throat> that he would have joined the military uh, wouldn't have been um, to escape Boston. It would have been simply to I want to go do this job that I'm fourth generation, and I want to go do it all over the world. Yeah, uh, you know I want I, you know I I want to give back. Uh, you know, and, and you know, I want to do my patriotic duty and uh, be a hero everywhere. I think that's a, a good choice for as a figure, because um, I I really enjoyed the figure as a kid, but it's one that I kind of grew out of. Um, it's one of the figures that was in that lot that I bought, and it is in fantastic shape. And I was playing with it last night. It just doesn't hold the appeal to me that like it did, unfortunately. Well, but, you have my address, sir. I'll take it. Um, yeah. Um, um, my number two for 1985 is going to be the uh, Snow Serpent. Uh, again, you know, I lived in Colorado, so it was cool to get um, somebody as a foil for my snow job. And foil him he did. This guy makes snow job look like a ski bunny. <laughs> You're not wrong. Uh, you know the face mask is. I was going to say that mask is fucking creepy. Yeah, the the, the mask is in, intimidating. He's got the fur fur lined uh, neckline and the the fur gloves. He's an airborne assault because he comes. You know they drop these they they static line these guys out of a plane because he comes with a, uh, a static line parachute. His backpack suggests that they don't intend to get him anytime soon. So. Once he's there, he's got to be able to be self-sufficient in a harsh climate for a long time. He's got the anti-tank mine that, or the anti-tank uh, rocket launcher that plugs into his backpack, again with the AK-47, with a different stock, so that was pretty cool. And snowshoes. First figure with snowshoes. I mean, this, this, and the, the color scheme was fantastic, it's... He's not white like Snow Job was. He's this light, kind of muted gray with blue highlights, and then the the white on the fur. I, I think, and and on top of that, he's Cobra Eel qualified. So, you know, if you survive your Cobra Eel training and want to take it a step further, you've got Spec Ops within Spec Ops, and you can go into the Snow Serpent training. I mean, these guys, to me, are, this is what I really liked about Cobra is, you know, the the badass that Cobra troopers really could be. is like, okay, if you survive eel training, then maybe, maybe you can enlist in the so- snow serpent training, and maybe you'll survive that. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. <laughs> so, uh, number two for me is definitely the snow serpent. All right, number three for you. Um, <clears throat> this one is a, uh, fairly easy and absolutely strange choice, uh, crankcase. Uh, yeah, okay. There was something about crankcase's figure that didn't so much capture, um, kind of, uh, badass soldier, but, um, his file card, well, for one, his file name is Elwood, Indiana, and if that ain't a badass name, I don't know what is, okay? Um. That shit is that. That's some hardcore shit. Um, and uh, just recently on Facebook, 
uh, this guy named Matthew Lacroix who did a who did a custom version of Crankcase and where he sculpted a handlebar mustache on him and and it it looked to me uh, <clears throat> the way I always saw Crankcase in my head um, and the figure couldn't really with his uh, prim and proper mustache but I always got the sense that this guy <clears throat> he was a ranger through and through um, <clears throat> uh, possibly special forces as well um, but. He liked to drive, and he could drive anything into any terrain. Uh, I mean, his vehicle itself could, but I was got the sense you could put him behind the wheel of anything in the Joe Motor Pool, and uh, he was gonna he was gonna treat it like like an all terrain vehicle. Um, guy could probably drive anything. Could probably go to Hollywood and be a stunt driver too. Um, this guy, he looked like a scrapper, and he looked like he was ready to. Uh, you know, if uh, he ran out of gas or uh, ran out of ammunition, uh, you know, ran out of weapons on the vehicle, he's going to stop the vehicle, get out, and just start kicking somebody's ass. Just start punching until there was nothing, there was no energy left to punch with. And he came with a pretty, um, pretty, dec- pretty cool uh, rifle, too. Uh, yes, he did. A rifle that was never used ever again. Um, yeah. And, yeah, and, and it was a rifle, not a pistol like a lot of drivers had. No, it was a rifle. Um, this thing, I mean, it was like a hunting rifle, uh, with, uh, you know, with a magazine that held a lot of ammo. Um, Crankcase for me, he was just so cool. I mean, there was just something about him that just said, don't fuck with him. You know, you're not, he might look unassuming, but he's not. So, you know, just, uh, you know, watch your six. Nice. Yeah. Um, for my third choice for this year, uh, I also went with the vehicle driver. Um, I went with Lamprey. Um, not just because these guys are EO qualified as well, but the figure, the figure is, to me, is just stunning. This. I love that figure. Yes. It was my next choice. So, you know what? We can do a joint thing on here. I love that figure. He was silver. He was sleek looking. And he was ready to... Uh, well, I was looked at him like a boarding party. I know they came with the Moray, like your boat drivers. But no, I got the sense that, that they were the preachers. Uh, this dude was scary. I mean, he was so cool looking. Yeah, so sleek. The sculpt of um, the helmet is fantastic. He's got a minimal life vest, and he's got that, you know, like, racing, that, like, fire-retardant racing suit. I love that figure. Yeah, he was totally my next choice. And the the assault rifle that he came with, which was really cool. And, yeah, they're, they're Cobra Eagle qualified, and the Moray is probably one of the coolest vehicles. Another one that, that floats. This I've never... I've never owned one. I got my lamprey through through one of the mail-in promotions. I had it as a kid, and then um, I had one that I was going to customize as an adult, and I didn't ever get anything done with it, and I think ended up trashing it too bad and just ended up throwing it away. But it's definitely one that I, I would love to have again that and customize not to make it, not to do what I wanted to do with originally, but to customize it to make it look like the original vehicle. Just 
just different, uh, better color, not better colors, but um, crisper colors, more realistic. But the the vehicle was fantastic. I mean, it held like three people in the back and two people in the cockpit and one on the gunner's turret. Uh, so six, seven, eight, six, seven, eight, nine, and then two in the front. Um, the little front. Oh, I don't even know what you would call those, the, the little compartments up front. So, you know, like 10, 10 figures, and it would still float and, you know, had the, the hydrofoil on it. Uh, yeah, so this, this figure is, the figure and the vehicle are, are phenomenal. Right. Um, so, yeah, the, so your next one was the Lamprey then, right? Yep. Uh, yep, uh, yeah, he's my favorite uh, Cobra in that year, and he was actually uh, he was actually the first. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, he was the first. Um, he was the he was the only Cobra Sea Trooper I had until uh, 1987, because um, I never had an eel. Um, I think I had other figures that I pretended were eels, but I had a lamprey. Uh, because I think it was like a year later that, or a year or two later that he was available as a mail-in promotion, but my friend had a Lamprey figure, so, he, he, and he didn't care. He didn't care about it, so, so, I got to play with the Lamprey, and, uh, yeah, he was an ass-kicker. Uh, uh, Joe's, watch out, uh, this guy's climbing up on your ship, and he's gonna, uh, he's gonna wreck uh, he's gonna he's gonna wreck the house. Absolutely. So um, that was your next pick. So my next pick, which will be number four for me for eighty five, um, is Snake Eyes. Um, yeah, I knew you were gonna say that, but as a kid, I fucking loved this figure. He came with a wolf, which we saw a lot of in the comic books. Um, he started kind of getting into that ninja aspect of it. I just, I really liked the figure. I, I used that. Yeah. yeah, he was great. He had window, he had window shades over his eyes yeah. and, and he had moves and, uh, <laughs> yeah, looked like a real badass. <laughs> yeah. I prefer version one. Sorry, I'm done. And this was my first, so this was my first snake guys though. Uh, I like the way they drew him in the comic, uh, uh, but he's one of those where the figure just did not capture that at all. I don't agree. I liked him in the cartoon, too, but, yeah, I looked at the figure. I'm just like, oh, wow, he's fat and sweet. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. people think Snake Peak was the first fat Joe, but oh, plus he had the mouth on the mask and everything. It's so stupid. Yeah, I'm not saying there weren't – I'm not saying it's a perfect figure, but for me this is I, my first Snake Eyes figure. So. All right, let's put it this way. He's one of the few that did not capture the card art very well at yeah, all. I uh, would the give sculpt is kind of bulky, but I do understand the mystique for it. I just, you know, looking at the figure itself, eh, but Fair enough. Um, his final card art was amazing. He was pointing at you like you, you're next. Yep. Uh, all right, uh, number five for you. Flint, Flint, Flint. This guy... All right, the other day, Rogue I watched... Scholar. Uh, 
Uh, what's up? He's a Rhodes Scholar. Yes, he's a Rhodes Scholar. I, I was figured he was a literary genius, probably had uh, the straightest days in the class, um, <clears throat> stand-up uh, stand student uh, from kindergarten, and then he turned around and joined the military, and his natural charisma um, uh, would do all the talking that his shotgun and his fists didn't do. Um, he's a guy that can disarm you just by uh, giving a quick speech in front of a crowd and don't let your guard down. And he's going he's gonna to walk along the battlefield smiling all the way and enjoying every little bit of it. Uh, the quote on his file card about how he liberated the prison uh, with the grin on his face, yes. that figure had that Let's smirk. go home, boys. Yeah, that smirk that he had on that, that is the most iconic face sculpt in the entire line. He's going to kick some ass, take some names, and smile all the way. Um, I always figured that if he opened the, the smirk up just a little bit, <clears throat> he'd give you a Cheshire cat grin and then kill you. Um, or maim you a lot. Um, I, he just, Flint is just awesome. The other day, I saw the movie Delta Force for the first time. I missed it over the years simply because it was one of those things. Not really a Chuck Norris fan. And it just sort of fell through the cracks. But somebody on Facebook, they were talking about it. And so I watched it. And <clears throat> now I know everybody compared Chuck Norris in there to Outback. Because he looks like Outback. No, this guy, the way he walked through the battlefield, the way he rode this motorcycle, the way he beat the shit out of these people hand to hand, he picked up the rocket launcher. You know, he blew up the truck, all of this. I got the sense that this was Flint on the big screen. Never mind his physical appearance. This was exactly who Flint was supposed to be. Um, yeah. he, was, he was a natural warrior because <clears throat> he gave no fucks. And, <clears throat> and he was going he was gonna win no matter what. He was going to win. Flint would get. Flint would always be the last one standing, and that figure perfectly captures it. That card art perfectly captures it. His characterization in the comic did it, and again, his Sunbow portrayal was perfect. And you could tell that Bill Ratner enjoyed doing the voice on the cartoon because the way he played the character perfectly exemplified all of those things. Yeah. Um, Flint yeah. is number five, and if and if this was top six, he'd be number six, too, I think. <laughs> My number five, I I had a hard time. I'll be honest. I'm, I, I changed it a bunch of times. I went with Footloose. I went with Flint. I went with Dusty. I went with uh, uh, Crimson Guard. Um, I went with Lady J. And I settled on Alpine. All right. There we go. There we go. Uh, um, I just got this figure the other day in the mail. Uh, I had a beat-up one when I was a kid that somebody gave me. This one was complete, had all of his gear. I didn't realize he came with so much cool gear because yeah. I never had one out of the package. Again, Damn, Alpine's awesome. Yeah, again, one of the things that I loved as a kid is having a ton of gear with my figures. He came with 
the huge axe that w- would s- would peg into his backpack, or he, he could hold it on his wrist. He came with that real cool submachine gun. The backpack, he came with two grappling hooks and the rope that, uh, well, string really, that tied in between the two. So this was like the first one that you could hook the hook on something else, you know, hook each hook on something and, you know, let him slide across like a zip line. And the his file card was, you know, he was like world-class, world-class mountaineer. I mean, that's... That's not an easy thing to do. They, you know, Hell I don't, no! I don't think they Hell really. No. I, I, mountaineering is very, a very, very technical, very challenging, physically demanding, mentally demanding sport. If you want to call it a sport, I don't. I think it's it would definitely be probably the first extreme sport is mountaineering because you're you're not just doing. You're not just doing the activity. You're, you have to take into account your your the climate. You know that your high altitude and the weather. And you know this guy is like one of the best in the world at that. So I and coming from Colorado, where I lived up in the mountains, Alpine. I'm like, you know what, Flint Footloose, who I, I used Footloose all the time as a kid. He was on my short list of of Joes that. I always kept together for, you know, like uh, when the Joes raided Cobra, uh, raided Springfield, there was like six guys that that uh, went together. It was like Beachhead and Leatherneck and Snake Eyes and I don't remember who all, but I had a team like that and Footloose was on that team. And, and you know, Flint kind of commanded them, but wasn't, in the dip, wasn't on the team. So, I mean, it was real tough choice for me, but, and Dusty, I loved the, the, the stuff that he came with and the, you know, a, a desert specialty but had to settle for Alpine on this one. For um, uh, the last video for 85. That good choice. Good choice. So, um, that was 1985. So, 1986, your top pick for 86. Hawk. Hawk, Hawk, Hawk. My God. The bomber jacket. The fatigue pants. The uh, uh, the helmet. The the pistol in one hand. Uh, the, the, the fist of command um, up in the air as he led the troops front line into battle. This dude was awesome. And he, and this figure, exemplified everything that Hawk had ever been in the comics. And for a lot of people, I think, I think they thought, because even Sunbow, they introduced General Hawk uh, into uh, the Joe team with the 86 cartoon. Uh, and I think that's when a lot of people assumed that the character was created. You know, people didn't realize that he was actually from an obscure vehicle in 82. Right. But that's because um, this, this figure just, just said... Uh, you know, this figure just said, uh, bring it on, bring it on, bring it on. I mean, you know, he had the goggles on top of the helmet and, <clears throat> you know, he'd actually put them, he'd actually move the goggles down over his eyes, uh, when he was driving in the comic, which is just, you know, it was just a detail that, that this, uh, you know, this figure actually had and, uh, the bomber jacket. I, I think it's the reason why even now 
I'm fascinated by bomber jackets because Hawk had one and it had his airborne wings and it had his marksmanship, uh, you know, badges on it. But he was, this thing said, uh, it's like general. This thing, exact, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. He is, he's going to stand up in front of the troops. He's going to rally everybody to his side. Uh, everybody's going to be all go, no quit until, uh, until they're the last people standing because, uh, yeah, he's going to give the same speeches that, that Patton gave and everybody's going to stop and listen. Um, Hawk is not just my favorite figure from 86. Um, it's that figure is the exemplifies, uh, exactly what a, a military commander should be. You're right. He's Patton. That's exactly yeah. what this thing was going for, and it captured it. Yeah, nailed it gorgeously. Get out of the park with that. Absolutely agree. Um, my first pick for '86 is not going to be any surprise. It's wetsuit. No shit. Yeah. Huh, weird. Yeah. Right. Um, so, um, Navy Seal. All right. So I I was happy to get another Navy Seal. Not too keen on the color scheme of it. But I I was able to overlook that a lot as a kid. Um, well, he was it, it was perfect for hiding in the coral reefs. Yeah, I mean, you know, some of the places I've been in the world, the water is that color. Um, New Zealand, the water is that color. Uh, when I was in Curacao, the water is that color. I didn't realize it at the time because I'd never seen an ocean when I was a kid. But that's actually a fairly decent color for. Oh yeah! Oh, I mean, he's cool. Uh, he's one where uh, forget about the color scheme. Uh, he's cool uh, in spite of. Yeah, they've got the the cool shark unit patch on that's painted on him. Um, he came with the the spotlight. He came with the um, the underwater sled. Uh, he came with the backpack and the hoses that went plugged into the backpack. Um, it was weird that this, the Navy SEAL didn't come with a, any kind of firearm. But I was glad they didn't give him another spear gun. Yeah, I was going to say, you're right. He came with the flashlight, the little scuba sled or whatever that thing was, and the backpack, right? That yep. was it. Weird. And the, the hoses. Uh, well, yeah, the whole, but I mean, it, oh, you're right. He didn't come with a combat weapon at all. No, he did not. Well, maybe he just picked up that sled and just beat people with it. Could be. Or, yeah, he just, whoever he killed first, he took their weapon, and that's what he used. <laughs> You're right. You know what? <clears throat> that like, figure, that figure was cool enough that... He's got, he's I like, I got a knife, that's all I need, yeah, I'll, I'll take care of it. I never knife. actually realized that's a criticism before now. Interesting. Yeah. All right, uh, number two for you. Leatherneck. <clears throat> Good choice. <laughs> Again, he's a Marine, he's a badass. Read his file card. Yes. Where it basically says, uh, you know, he was the baddest guy in the jungle before that. You know, he was the baddest guy on base. Before that, he was the baddest drill instructor uh, that the Marines had. And this dude, this dude was gruff and he was rude. And, you know, he, he basically, basically probably had the personality of sandpaper. But Heartbreak Ridge. If you, uh, hey, thank you. Thank you. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, what Clint Eastwood there? Yeah, that was Leatherneck. Yeah. Um, this dude 
Um, if you needed, uh, if you need an operative for any environment you were getting deployed to, just send Leatherneck. He's gonna scoop the shit out of everything. Um, and I liked, oh god, I liked his relationship with Wetsuit so much. Yes, uh, in the cartoon where they were competitive, you could tell they were the best of friends, but constantly at ease because they were just competitive. Like these two were the hardest core. Uh, members of their respective branches, so yes. they had mutual respect, but they were absolutely certain that they were superior to each other. Yep. And uh, my, Leatherneck I, I played was, them the same way even before I saw them in the cartoon. Yep, Leatherneck was a bad ass. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, it, it was almost like uh, he wasn't uh, uh, you know, he wasn't ripped uh, like Gung Ho was. Uh, he didn't have the shirtless thing he didn't need it no. because he was wearing marine uh, fatigues. He had the camouflage, and uh, if you look at if you look at his file card art, you look at that, you're like the few, the proud marines. Yep, um, absolutely. That he, yeah, the leatherneck was. Oh, I love that character. I love that figure. Yes, definitely. Uh, he and was... that same year, yeah, he got the desert repaint in that Mission Brazil set. That was that, that. That was a totally different look for him, and that was great. Yeah, I forgot about uh, that. If you had that rare figure from that rare box set that I didn't know existed until 1999, and Yojo, but you know, yeah, definitely. Um, so 19, uh, 1986 was the first year we saw the Viper. Um, it was also the first year that we saw really started seeing the specialty vipers. We saw the motor viper. We saw the strato viper. Um, you know, televiper the year before, but viper for me is where it started. I didn't pick him as one of my favorites, even though I had him as a kid and liked him. I, as an aside, I thought it was kind of as a kid, as a, kind of weird that the vipers were supposed to be lower than the cobra troopers. But they were better. Yeah, I, I, better that always bugged me too. And, and that's why armored. I think I wasn't I wasn't really a big fan when I was a kid, simply because I didn't understand that. Because they had all this equipment and they had this this face shield, but they're supposed to be the low man on the totem pole, like cannon father grunts. Weird. Yeah, I don't know. No. Yeah, that never jived with the look of the figure. So yeah, that too. I guess for years I was off put by the viper because. They they look cool, but yeah, they were painted to be just weak. Yeah. So my number two for um, for eighty six is low light. Uh, I never had this figure as a kid. Uh, one of my friends had it, had him, and I got to play with him. But I think I ended up doing a trade for him. But he he had already lost like most of the guy, most of his gear. So I think he only had like his rifle left, and it didn't have the bipod. And, but. You know, they had him listed as a snipe, night spotter, I think, but this guy's a sniper. And he's, you know, just look at that rifle. He's This guy is like night ops sniper and just looks freaking awesome as a figure. Red I, goggles. Yeah. Bad ass. Uh, well, while the 86 figure didn't do it for me, uh, his cartoon personality did. But those red goggles, there was nothing cooler than those red goggles. Yeah, definitely. Um, I I loved this figure. Never was able to find it. Never. I hunted down, hunted this figure as a kid forever. 
Never found it. Uh, uh, I had when I was a kid. There's a store here called Gold Circle that I bought it at. Uh, <clears throat> it was a little bit service merchandise, uh, you know, kind of, kind of along those lines. Okay. Uh, but I, I did. I had that figure, and I got him there. And it sucks because when I opened him, I lost the bipod. Oh. So that that little that little loop at the bottom of the rifle oh it drove me nuts because I'm like uh, you know because I lost the bipod so quick I don't even think I realized that's what was supposed to go there and I always wondered. Gotcha. Um, yep, I think I opened it and that was the end of that. Uh, yeah, and I, I did that recently with a, a figure that I I bought. Opened it, one of the interchangeable hands fell. And it must have fallen into another dimension. Yeah. Oops. <laughs> Epic fail. Damn. Yep. Um, so we had said earlier that there has never been, with the Zartan figure, there's never been a, a, a figure that ever really exemplified the original figure. And I'm going to take that back and I'm going to say the... Um, Pursuit of Cobra, if you want to call it Pursuit of Cobra, or the, because um, it came, was re-released in the 50th anniversary, um, the 50th anniversary low light does exemplify the um, original figure, and I'm going to say, take, say it does more than the Zartan figure, I'm going to say it takes the original concept and it expands upon it. He comes with a detached with a sniper rifle that comes apart and fits in a case, which pegs into his backpack. He comes with a, a case of ammo with a removable bullet. He has a radio with a removable handset that pack plugs into his backpack. Um, the the I think the the 50th anniversary Pursuit of Cobra, whichever you want to call it, low light does what the Zartan figure does, and it does it better. Um, hey, dude, I'll be right back. Uh, don't pause it because that'll cause a technical glitch. I'll edit this part out, but uh, I'll okay. be right back, okay? Just just leave it. Just leave it going. All right. All right, hang on. So if you want a secret message in there, JD. Hi, Joshua. <laughs> What were you going to say? Oh, I was just asking if you were done. No, not quite. We're going to do one more year. Ah. What year are you up to? Uh, 86, I think. Yeah. This is pretty fun, actually. Is it? Yeah. Good. It sounds like you're disagreeing more than agreeing on your five. Um, it's kind of... I don't know. Not necessarily disagreeing, but you're not picking the same things, I guess. No. Um, usually one or two a year. It will be the same. Yeah. <coughs> oh, hey, I'm back. No, I would never have guessed oh. that. Oh, oh okay. Oh, I was being subtle. Sweet. Yeah, no, I was hardly even noticed. Hang on a sec. Let me see where we're at. <coughs> oh, we're going to finish this year up, and then, yeah, we'll do part two uh, this week. Um, 
Hang on a sec. I was saying, part two oh. should get us from 87 to uh, 91. I, um, you want to do 87 and then call it a day? Uh, where are we? Uh, we're at 86. Uh, we're about halfway through 86. Let's see yours. No, I mean uh, time-wise. Oh, um, just at two hours. Oh, uh, yeah, we can do 87. All right. Um, yeah, we're moving along at a pretty good clip. So. Yeah, actually. So um, give me your number. Uh, no, you just said your number two was Leatherneck, right? Yeah. All right, my number two then for. All right, so um, Leatherneck's a good choice for 1986. My number two for 86 would be. Let me see here. Um, hang on a sec. My number. No, I said low light. So you're you're number three. Sorry. Um, number three for me is Serpentor. Ooh. God damn, did I love this this character when I was a kid, and I still do. Uh, in the comics, or in in the comics, he was cool, but not as cool as he was on the cartoon. Um, first of all, I love this backstory. The idea that 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 Cobra would be able. Uh, to get the DNA of the world's greatest military leaders and tacticians was magical. Like, yes. I know it was out there, but it didn't matter because nope. it sounded plausible. Yeah, it did. Um, and the, the fact that they would combine this DNA into a lab-grown human being was amazing to me. Absolutely. Um, but his personality was basically the... Over the top, slightly insane version of Hawk, but it was perfect. Everybody would listen to him. And the way the movie treated Serpentor, not before all that madness happened, but at the beginning, when basically everybody's telling Cobra Commander what a, what a moron he is, and, and, and Serpentor's basically saying, well, I'm the best, I'm the shit. That's exactly what Serpentor was. In my mind... Even when I was a kid, eh, Cobra Commander, he was there as the leader. I liked him, but I was never a fan. Yes. And I really just did not like his backstory in the comics at all. He just, yeah. it, in fact, when I read it, it sort of just turned me off. So for a character that 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 was never one of my favorites, that just that kind of, it diminished him even more. Um, but Serpentor was the Cobra leader that I always wanted Cobra Commander to be and wasn't even a fraction of. Uh, he was a military tactician. He was an ass-kicker. He wore these badass, you know, snake clothes that was... It was out there, but did it look cool. Yeah, it was like ceremonial and, armor. Yep, and uh, and and, and uh, uh, Dick Gaudier, who did his voice in the comic, or in the cartoon, was a perfect... Uh, uh, was, was perfect to do that part the way it was. He, he, he was, you know, he was a military leader who was unafraid to do the craziest shit possible to win, no matter what. And you know that when he was leading the troops, they were winning. Yes. Um, even if, even if, even if there wasn't, even if there wasn't a high body count on the good guy side. It doesn't matter because he was driving him into the shadows. He was driving him under his foot. Uh, 
they were they they were Cobra was going to win the day. That was it. Uh, Serpentor was amazing, and to this day, he is still my favorite of the Cobra leadership. Um, you know, because I know there's tried there's would be usurpers in the comic, and you know there were other people in the toy line that were sort of painted as oh a potential leader. Hell no, Serpentor beat the shit out of all of it, and as powerful as the moment was where Zartan assassinated him in the car in, in the comic, it never changed in my mind that that may have been a decoy or something because Serpentor was way too cool to get killed. That was it. He was just man. I loved that character and I still do. Um, even his goofy air chariot, even that said scary. Um, yeah, it, my son has one. He's got the 25th anniversary version. He didn't give one rat's ass about the, about the Serpentor figure. Um, but man, he loved that air chariot. Um, yeah, Serpentor is, yeah, he's, he's easily number three for me. He's my favorite Cobra of that year. And, and I love, love that. It's just, everything about him was just awesome. Yeah. I love the, the storyline when they, when they went and, and collected that, the DNA. Well, you know, that actually taught me a lot about history too, because later, like in high school and we started studying a lot of world history because, you know, before that, middle school and whatever, there's a lot of U.S. history. But in high school, um, when, when you get into the world history and you actually learn about some of these leaders and, and you realize just what a bunch of ass kickers each of them was. Yeah. And the idea that they combined all of that DNA into one guy, I'm like, this guy was unstoppable. Right. There, was, there, there was no opposition to this guy. Uh, there couldn't have been. I mean... Yeah, and and it taught me a lot about actual history when I started learning about who Alexander the Great and Attila the Hun and, uh, and, uh, <clears throat> um, what's his name? In, in the, in the cartoon, he had somebody from South America and now I'm having remember. a brain fart on who it was. Yeah, I don't remember. Um, God damn it. Anyways, um, and then, you know, he had, uh, you know, Ivan the Terrible and, and Genghis Khan and, uh, oh, Montezuma, that's who it was. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and all of you, would you, the idea that you could take any of this DNA and put it together in one dude, there was no opposition anymore. Right. Not, not, he just, oh, my God, Serpentor was amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my number three uh, for 1986 is Leatherneck. So, not surprising that we picked uh Picked Leatherneck out of all the... Hell no, he's badass. How yeah, could you absolutely. Not? Absolutely. Um, like, I, like I was saying before, I had a, a short list of guys that were on, you know, like kind of a, a small unit of G.I. Joe that was like my special ops team, and Leatherneck was definitely on that. You know, he he was a badass. He came with that really awesome M16, M203 combination weapon. Um, and, yeah, I mean... I don't think I could say anything more about, I mean, the figure was phenomenal. Um, it, it's another one of those figures that uh, I got in the collection and it's, it's spotless and it's complete. And it's like, oh man, this is, yeah, this is fucking awesome right here. So no chance you're sending that to me then. Okay. Uh-huh. eBay, here I come. Yeah, pretty much. Sorry. Um. <laughs> Leatherneck. I don't know how anybody couldn't like Leatherneck. Yeah, I don't know. So that was my number three. I, I, you know, I really can't add or expound upon 
anything that you had already said on that. So I uh, number like I could uh, with some of the other guys that we've picked uh, the same ones of, like Zartan. Uh, number four for you then. Iceberg. Yeah, I knew that was coming. Iceberg, when I was a kid, was my Arctic Trooper. Um, I had, I, I think I had snow job. Um, um, I don't know what condition he was in because I don't really remember ever using him too much. But um, <clears throat> he was, he was my time. Arctic Trooper, and this guy, he was just, he was everything first in your mind. Everything the serpent, the, the snow serpents were. That's what Iceberg was to me. Gotcha. I mean, this guy was special ops uh, for all cold weather environments, uh, but you know, Arctic and Antarctic, and he was just he was just amazing. I mean, and you know, he just he was a hardcore military guy that just really liked to be in the snow. Uh, you know, uh, and and I imagined that. He'd probably take a unit of Joes in their cold weather gear with him, but he might not need to because uh, he could be the guy that would trek all by himself into the snow to do the recon uh, for Joe uh, before they sent everybody else, and he'd come out without a scratch. Iceberg was, he was just, I don't know, for me, I always lamented that we never got a fatigues version of him simply because um, I did use him in every situation, but I always wanted a green version that could have actually been uh, in every situation. But um, Iceberg was awesome, and I loved uh, his voice in the cartoon. And, and he didn't have a huge role, but when I was gonna he was say, used, I don't remember his voice from the cartoon. Um, his voice actor was Arthur Burkhardt, who also did Destro, and. When I go to TFCon uh, next uh, next month in Canada, uh, Arthur Burghardt's going to be there. I know a lot of people are going to go to get his autograph on Transformer stuff, obviously, TFCon. Um, and, you know, there's going to be people that are going to want Destro stuff. And even Chad said, hey, Destro's going to be there. I'm like, hey, Iceberg's going to be there. And let me correct that for you. It's Iceberg. I'm getting his file card autographed by Arthur Burghardt. No, I um, still have the club figure on the card. Um, um, he just, Iceberg for me, he was just the pre, I guess the way a lot of people saw snow job because of what his file card said, and I never saw him that, that's how I saw Iceberg. Um, and the fact that he only came with a gun, looking back, it's lamentable because he should have had like a backpack or something, but it didn't matter. None of that affected me. I didn't care. I was just trying to remember what Gary came um, with. uh, What's up? I was just trying to remember what Gary came with. Just, just a gun. That was it. He came with a he came with a white rifle. Um, uh, he didn't come with any survival gear or anything, and it sucks. But it never affected me any more than uh, any more than you know. I could give him whatever gear I wanted, and I did because a lot of the accessory packs came with uh, like gray accessories, and I think Iceberg used all of that stuff. Um, yeah, he was just a preeminent ass kicker for me. Um, so Iceberg, yeah, he's definitely, yeah, he's, uh, he, he was not closer to the top simply because, uh, the other one shined just a little bit more as figures, but yeah, Iceberg was just, he was awesome. And it wasn't until 89 when, when I got, uh, a driver that, that, uh, 
that any other Arctic Troopers could match that kind of magic for me. Gotcha. Um, let's see. So my number four for 1986 is Beachhead. Should have expected that. Yeah. Somehow I, I didn't, but I should have. This guy, I mean, we, we've, we've been talking about ass, ass kickers in, for 1986 and Beachhead Ranger. I mean, you know, like bleeds red, white, and blue. I was going to say, he did what Stalker did, and he wore a ski mask. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this, this, he's, like you were saying, a recruitment poster for Hawk. This guy's are the, what they have up in the barracks for Ranger School. You know, he was a lane instructor. He was, this guy is just total badass. His, um, his accessories, he came with that real cool assault rifle. You know, he had uh, magazines on his chest for that. Uh, his backpack was really cool because he had that, like, sculpted on um, cross- oh, the crossbow. crossbow. Yeah. Um, and, and he had that sweet purse. I mean, Yeah, so, so what was his, um, his accessory? More ammunition. Uh, yeah, exactly. But as a kid, I didn't realize it was ammunition. I just couldn't figure out what the hell it was supposed to be. I thought it was C4. And I think when I was a kid, I think I thought that that his chest had the plastic explosives ready uh, to ready to grab too. I, I never comprehended that they were ammo clips. I always saw that yeah, he had the, like the C4 ready to go. Yes, yeah, to me this and you know, he had two pistols sculpted on and this guy liked to shoot things. Mhm. And um had that real cool um uh the grappling hook that was sculpted onto his backpack if and um, there was a way that you could, the flat part on his backpack, the top part, if you could lay his rifle and put the peg of the crossbow into, like, where the trigger would be on his backpack, on his gun, and it would hold his, his yeah. gun. I don't, I don't think that was an intentional feature, but I used it and then gave him another gun, because this guy likes guns. Oh, uh, yeah, oh, yeah. Um... Uh, one of his much later file cards, uh, <clears throat> I think it was around like 2002-ish, one of his file cards said that uh, he had a spike-knuckled knife collection that could rival Snake Eyes's. Nice. That was a new dimension to him. Uh, I could totally see, on his off time, he collected guns. He had guns yes. from every era. Yes. didn't matter. You know, all over the world, he had some lock guns. Um, yeah, this is a guy <clears throat> that at home has a room that's a gun safe. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and, and by gun safe, you mean proudly on display. Um, yes. yeah, yeah, his bedroom, yeah, it looked like an armory. Um, it was funny cause when I was a kid at Beachhead, he didn't have a huge part on the cartoon until the movie. Until the movie. And, and, and I know the movie, I know he kept getting his comeuppance and, and, and it, it sort of, it was comedic effect, but it didn't matter because he was so badass in that cartoon movie that, he was a drill instructor, and uh, I know it was a lot of coincidence, and that's the reason why he kept being bested, but really, he was an ass kicker. And that voice that he had, yeah, ah, brilliant. Um, brilliant. And I think that's, for me, why I forever see Beachhead exactly that way. And that's why, for me, it always bugged me that, yeah, the figure just didn't capture that at all for me. Oh, it did for uh, me. It totally did for me. Um. 
Yeah, but I was a weird nitpicky kid about things, and, you know, I, I didn't like his boots. I don't know. It was very strange, but the boots always drove me nuts because they looked like shoes, and I didn't no. I didn't approve, but I was a weird kid. No, that, that, that figure totally, everything about that figure. But you do have to love the 75th Ranger Regiment patch on the shoulder. Absolutely. Uh, another figure that I got uh, recently and is in pristine condition and complete, so happy to have that. So number five for you for 86. Dial tone. I was wondering um, about that. I was wondering if you're going to go with dial tone. Dial tone. Um, in my brief stint in the Army, I was Signal Corps. Um, and we did a lot of radio installation for the Humvees and things like that. And dial tone, obviously, not the reason I picked it, but I love the specialty. And I love the idea that this guy is messing with the electronic equipment on the battlefield. But he came with that sweet machine gun, too. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he could lay down the cover fire, scream into the radio at the same time, and fix your shit when it's broken. Um, he, um, um, I don't know, he was just, he was cool. And he had a braid, like Flint did. And he had a mustache. And, well, you know, mustaches were cool. Not, they're not now, but they were. Right. And... Yeah, he was just, I don't know, there was something about Dial Tone that just, it it, it, it struck my fancy, and even now, I, I kind of look at the figure, and I don't I don't really see it anymore, but but I always see it, but but I can put myself back in that place where I did see it, and, oh, God, what a great figure, what to a me, great character, and, and I love this me, voice was, on the cartoon. I had Breaker as a kid, and to me, he was Breaker's replacement. Breaker, uh, Breaker, he retired, uh, and Dial Tone took over. Yeah, me too. I had Breaker too, but yeah, he never did it for me the way uh, Dial Tone did. No. Dial Tone took over. Breaker's like, okay, I'm done. I'm retiring now. Yeah, I'm out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm All right, number five yeah. for me for 1986 is the Cobra Bat. Um, I think this is a really cool concept in the fact that we now have a it's kind of got a sci-fi aspect to it. You know, like you were saying, we're Serpentor. I think this kind of just goes along with it. You know, 86 kind of had a a sci-fi, well, I mean, it had sci-fi. So, I mean, it had a sci-fi vibe to oh, it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> sci-fi vibe to oh, yeah. it to begin with. You know, Serpentor and the um, Stratovipers, you know, were surgically modified to fly the Night Ravens and the... Um, um, you know, sci-fi and Dr. Mindbender. Um, this was a very science fiction year for G.I. Joe and the bat, I think just is exemplifies that it has, you know, three interchangeable arms on the right arm. It had the lenticular sticker for the chest. God, I love that lenticular sticker. Absolutely. That made the figure for me. Cause I wasn't a huge fan when I was a kid, but man, I love that lenticular sticker. Yeah, and, you know, everything was interchangeable, it pegged in, and the one thing I didn't like was how easy, the the file card and the cartoons and the comic books always portrayed them as pretty easily, pretty easy to destroy. Man, in when I played, every time the Cobra Bat, because Cobra only had a couple of these because they were so expensive, right? So, and I only had one anyway, so... So whenever the Cobra Bat got on the battlefield, all the Joes were like, oh, fuck. 
Yeah, I only it had one of them, but uh, in my mind, I might have had 12 of them. Because it, it was not, mine was not as easily Cannon destroyed father. It as was it not, was. It was not getting thrown around by Sergeant Slaughter. No. It was a killing machine. It was the Terminator. Yep, that's exactly what mine was. You you could shoot it, you could blow it up into pieces, it would still keep coming after you. Yeah. Until it there was not enough of it left to move itself. That's uh, definitely one of my favorite figures to customize. Um, I've I made a you know, they made a, a a bat to go with the San Diego Comic Con um that was in the Devastator colors. I did I did one of those myself. Um, the the neo or not the neo bat. What is the one that's like the gray with the neon green? Oh, hang on, I've got it right here. Um, oh, where is it? Hang on, hang on, it's right here. There it is. The uh, oh no, it doesn't say. Hang on. Let me look. On the card. It doesn't say. Nano bat. The nano bat. Uh, I love the color scheme on the nano bat. Uh, I, I made a custom of that. I love the, the club's version of the fire bat. With the uh, translucent parts. Um, my Devastator bat had, uh, I made an interchangeable arm for it to make it look like a uh, blade on a earth mover. Um, and I did an Alley bat, Alley Viper crossover in the Pursuit of Cobra, Alley Viper colors that had interchangeable arms that was like a machine gun and then a, uh, a spreader, like a like Jaws of Life to cut open a door to, for the Alley Vipers to, to get into whatever they were trying to attack. I just I love the functionality of the bats and the versatility. I think that's something that G.I. Joe, that the Hasbro never expanded on. They had something that had interchangeable arms and they never made anything different than like the three or four interchangeable arms that it initially came with. And I think that was like one of the failings of Hasbro's they could have taken this in a whole different direction and they never really did other than to, well, I mean, they sort of did, but they, with later figures, but not like I wanted them to. Still there, JD? Yeah, I'm here. Right. Um, <clears throat> uh, little guy, he's cleaning up his mess and he says, I'm tidying. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> Very helpful. He's doing a good job too. Um, he's a uh, he's our uh, he's our busybody. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, I can uh, I can see the appeal. I, I wasn't crazy about it when I was a kid, simply because I didn't really like the bulbous head. But that was again, I was a nitpicky kid, so you know that's just how that went. Um, but <clears throat> and where are we on to? 1987. 1987. You want to talk about You want to talk about a year where uh, uh, it it was another one, much like 85, where where the diversities in uh, primary military specialties 
really expanded on the Joe side. And Cobra side, well, it got a little bit more colorful and eccentric and strange. Yeah. Yeah, it did. So your number one pick for 1987? I'm going to get the uh, hypnotizing elephant out of the room right now. I love Crystal Ball. Uh, <laughs> I loved how creepy he was. When I was a kid, I loved how creepy he was. Uh, I remember uh, a good good friend of my uh, family, um, he said, he. I, I distinctly remember saying that he went, he went shopping and, and he was looking for something that was truly uh, different that he didn't think I would have already had. And I remember him saying, I went with crystal ball and the way he said it, I'm just like magical. Um, the file card was utterly weird. I mean, obviously it was written by uh, a famous horror writer. Um, seventh son of a seventh son and all that. Yeah. I mean, that was the, you tidied the whole thing. Thank you. You get, he's so funny. Um, he, wow, he really did. Wow. Um, yeah, he's four, uh, going on 13. Um, um, he's, uh, uh, he's fun. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, Crystal Ball to me, yeah, the seventh son of the seventh son thing, it was, oh my God, probably 30 years before that took on any meaning for me when I actually started reading up on it. I'm like, God, this is the creepiest Oh my God! These gypsy beliefs. This is so weird. But yeah, and Crystal Ball, that file card art. You know, he looked like Vincent Price. I imagine yes. he spoke like Vincent Price. And that there's no way that was a coincidence. I'm absolutely certain that when Hasbro did the designs on him, that's what they were going for. The figure had red eyes. Nothing else in the line had ever had. A strange eye color like that. And really? I didn't know that. I'd never had the figure. I've never yes, had one in person. Had, I've never seen yes. it. He had red eyes. Um, and it, he had red eyes in the, in the, in, in the card art. Uh, he had that hypnotizing shield. Again, lenticular. Yeah. And when I was a kid, man, if, if there was, there was a lenticular sticker on anything, um, I would just sit there and stare and stare and stare at it. And, but you know, it moved, you know, it it would, you know, the, the hypnotizing effect would shrink and expand and shrink and expand. And man, I loved it, but he was so creepy and he has, um, he has always stuck with me. And I do understand, I do understand why, where there's a lot of, uh, a lot of, laughing about him among collectors but man I mean I understand it on surface value but I just I never shared it because for me he was just he was just a new twist in the formula for Cobra Uh, I always used him as one of Serpentor's top advisors Mm. Um, and I think when I was a kid I, I, uh, I don't think I really understood the power of hypnosis because you know, you'd see it on TV and it was, it it always just seemed to be kind of a a parlor trick. But, uh, when you realize the psychological impact of it, for some reason I interpreted it as maybe he could read their minds a little bit. Um, but he just, I don't know. He was just so strange. And so, I don't know. There was, 
there was an energy to Crystal Ball that just nothing else in the line had. And I've always been a fan. So, yeah, he's yeah, he's one of my favorites from 87. Nice. Uh, 87, number one pick for me. Um, this was... This was kind of a weird, weird year for Cobra for me. Um, I didn't. There was not. A, <laughs> I didn't like a lot of what they had to offer. The Crystal Ball, the Crocmaster, Raptor. For me, eighty-seven Big Boa. Eighty-seven was a weak year for Cobra for me, with the strong exception of the Battle Armor Cobra Commander. So, I in my like. G.I. Joe-verse, I diverted from the comics and the cartoon when this came out, when this figure came out, because, yeah, Cobra Commander, yeah, he, you know, the guy that does the voice for Starscream does the voice for this, and they're both in that bubbling, bumbling idiots, and Cobra, and, you know, until Serpentor came along, and then, yeah, got their shit, to, shit together. But in my verse, Cobra Commander's like, oh, hey, I just got one-upped by the Serpentor dude. So what does he do? He goes back to square one, designs this battle armor that can kick Serpentor's ass, and comes back big as life and twice as strong. And you know, It's so funny because in my head, I always imagined that, that uh, Mars... Uh, that he contracted Destro to create this battle armor. For oh yeah, him. absolutely. Yeah, totally, absolutely. And you know that's what he did. He he went to Destro. He's like, "Fuckster Pentor, I want control of Cobra back. Give me something that will give me control of Cobra back." And here's this Iron Man esque battle armor. So, yeah, I, that's that is. By far the best Cobra figure of that year for me. Is I'm this. still not a big fan of Cobra Commander even to this day, but I, I do think that was his coolest figure. I remember getting I'm not, it. I wasn't either and, until this came out, until this figure came out, and then I revamped how I saw Cobra Commander in my mind, and I, I, just, I completely deviated from comic books and cartoons at that point. Yeah, I, I just I remember picking this figure up saying, wow, Cobra Commander's never looked like this before, but... I, I, I accepted it on, like, an instinctual level. Like, it just made sense to me um, that, that his old faceplate had expanded to cover all of him. And, yeah, I, 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 I definitely see the appeal. All right, uh, number two for, for you for 87. Falcon. Yeah. Lieutenant Falcon. Uh, I know uh, he was voiced in the movie by Don Johnson. Yeah. And they sort of made him, uh, yeah, he shirked his responsibilities in a way that a Green Beret never in a billion years would have right. done. Um, uh, I, I think a lot of the magic for people there was, you know, and they, the reason they see him is because of Don Johnson's voice. But his portrayal, uh, it's funny because in the movie, Beachhead, that makes Beachhead for me, but... Falcon was the antithesis of what he should have been. Um, it was kind of a disgrace that they would take, uh, you know, a, a, a Green Beret, Special Forces. Uh, and an these, officer these guys. on top of that. Yes, and an officer. And, I mean, even in the movie, they called him a gold-plated goof-off. And it was such a disservice to what 
the Green Berets did. I mean, these guys, these guys go into these countries, they dress like everybody else, and they can instigate a conflict. Um, um, you know, if somebody has to be Training unseated the locals, from power, the Green yeah. Beret, yeah, yeah, yeah. That thank you. Um, <clears throat> insurgency. I mean, they can they can create a ground battle, um, or they can stir the pot and create a ground battle on one side to take a dictator down, uh, the people, you know, they can stir them up and they can do this. And that's just, that's what the green berets do. And they're hardcore military and they're going to kick some ass and they're going to take some names and they're going to take very few losses. Um, because that's what these guys are trained to do. I mean, there's a little bit of SAS in what they do. And, you gotta love it. I mean, it's amazing to, to realize that there's that there's people in the military that are so that are so hardcore that that is literally their life and yeah. it's what they thrive on and you know it's what the special ops are supposed to do and you look at this Falcon figure and it exemplifies it. It captures it perfectly. I mean, he had the Green Beret, the iconic Green Beret. Um, yeah, until that absolutely. point, what did people know about the Green Berets? It was from that John Wayne movie. But this figure perfectly captured that energy, and 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 it had the appeal, and he had the shotgun. He had the backpack with the antenna, so you know he had the radio. Um, so he could be, you know, he could always be calling back to base. Um, you know, and he'd always be in the loop, and he was just, I don't know, he was just, he was so cool. And the figure captures it perfectly. He had the camouflage. Uh, he had the schmog around his neck. Um, you know, he had he had the radio microphone uh, on his uh, on his LCE. Uh, you know, he had the flashlight sculpted to his leg. Uh, Falcon was ready for anything. And again, if he had to be a lone operator, he could. But um, but the guys assigned with him, they'd follow him to the gates of hell. Yeah. Um, Falcon was just, he's, I don't know, he's he's an amazing character. I did not particularly agree with the portrayal in the movie either, but he was there. There's there's two quotes from the G.I. Joe movie that are, like, my two favorite quotes from, from like, forever. Um, And he was there for one of them, and that's Sergeant Slaughter saying, there are two ways out of my command. On your feet like a man or in a bag. A ditty bag, an itty bitty bitty bag, ditty ditty bag. It's it's so funny because <clears throat> now I say I disagree with his portrayal in the movie, but I'm talking about the first half yes. because I know I know it took the plot line of the slaughterhouse in the movie to turn him into that, but at the end he is the green beret. Absolutely, he is perfect when he says that we're going in. <clears throat> and it's for the purpose of saving every man, woman, and child on this planet. There, boom! He captured the Green Beret. It just took, uh, it just took a, a, a strange plot twist for him to finally embody it. But there, he was perfect as Green Beret. That's why it's just so tragic that they made him a, a <clears throat> you know, a loose cannon, a whack job in in the beginning of it because. Uh, yeah, there at the end, he did it, and it was just too little too late. And it, it, it just it makes me sad, though, that the third season of the cartoon never happened because yeah. 
we would have actually seen Falcon portrayed the way he was at the end of the movie, and it would have been great. So, Absolutely. Yeah, Falcon's number two. Um, number two for me for 1987, I'm going to go with Fast Draw. I loved this figure as a kid. I all right. What it was. All right. This fucking figure is phenomenal. The backpack with the rockets and the, you know, his like point, his like laser guided, you know, his pistols that are like lasered to laze his targets with the, the padded, the padded suit, the helmet with the whole, everything. I, I, I loved this figure as a kid. I saw him as a walking tank. Absolutely. Uh, he, he carried his destructive force with him, and he wore a suit to protect him from it, so uh, everything else would be affected, and he'd be just fine. Yeah, my only, my only kind of flaw with this, you know, he could only carry two missiles. Uh, yeah, but... Um, uh, you know, I don't know. I always kind of saw that <clears throat> that two was all he needed because if those two didn't do enough damage, uh, then then uh, uh, it's simply because he got distracted. Um, well, see, and I always, I always figured imagine that those missiles would take out everything. I always had it with that there was there was a vamp or a havoc or something that would work. Their secondary mission was to be support role for for faster and they had more missiles. All right, yeah, I, I like it. Um, uh, they they carry more Even ammo for him. Backpack was 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 all heavy artillery. I don't know. Maybe it did have some secret compartment in there to, to carry extra missiles. You know, uh, you uh, know they were pretty. A little big bit of imagination. Though. Yeah, I I always had that. There was a, a another vehicle. Another yeah, that was a good idea. That that carried extra missiles for him. So that was my number yeah, two. Yeah, that that vamp was there for him to ride into the battle on and yep. then follow him around. Yep. And that they had a dedicated, he had a, like a dedicated, like re- somebody that reloaded him. So he didn't have to shuck his gear to reload himself. Somebody just, he blew shit up. Somebody came and gave him more ammo. And he blew more shit up. Yep. Um, I like that. I like that. That's nothing I'd ever considered before, but yeah, I dig it. Uh, uh, he, he's he's awesome, and he's one of the few that can't. I don't think he can respectably be remade in the modern line because no, not without they're, they're, new sculpting. No, he just he's. I don't know, Although yeah, I had an idea about badass. that, I had an idea about that last night because we were talking about that um, on the podcast last episode. That I was thinking maybe if you used um, parts from uh, Hazard Viper. Yeah, I can see that. Um, I'm tempted yeah, the, to, to try that. Yeah, fast, fast draw was just, oh man, he was just so, I don't know, and he was unique because Joe didn't have anything like him before, and no. they didn't have anything like him after. No, um, it's like a vig- vehicle and, in a figure form. Yeah, and, and that and that, and that that mirrored faceplate, man, that was cool. Yeah. Um, and then if you read his file card, he basically, he saw himself as a gunfighter, right. uh, as a duelist, and, uh, you know, uh, you know, his, his file card... Or Staring his, uh, down his, squadrons his of stuns. Yeah, I mean, his code name's there because he saw himself as the gunfighter and he wanted to be uh, the fastest on the draw. Uh, but it, he just... Basically, it's like... Uh, 
uh, you know, they always say never bring a knife to a gunfight. Right. Nope, this guy brought laser guided missiles to the gunfight. And uh, in my verse, uh, there was always, at some point, there was always a battle between him and heavy metal. Or a metalhead, sorry. Oh, yeah. In fact, it's sad that he, he never, uh, when Metalhead showed up in the comic, uh, you never got to see that scene because Fastdraw only ever appeared a couple times in the comic. And he was never, there was like one panel where he was used to, you know, used effectively, and that was it. He was just, he, he was just kind of there otherwise. Yeah, and see, I could have seen, remember the um, comic book issue where it's, um, um, it's just Ace versus and his new Sky Striker versus Wild Weasel oh, well, and his new yeah. his new um, Rattler. I could have seen yeah. a, one comic book just dedicated to those two guys with their high tech weapons trying to outdo each other, trying to kill each yeah. other. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Yeah, a uh, a uh, uh, one issue thing with uh, with Metalhead versus Fast Draw that could have been the coolest comic ever. Yeah. Um. Yep. Yeah. yeah. They're yeah, they're basically walking destruction, and yes. uh, but one of them, one of them is cool, calculated, and has a military bearing, and the other one's nuts. Yeah, the other one's just office fucking rocker, which is, can be just as dangerous. <laughs> exactly. All right, so that was my number two. What's your number three for eighty-seven? Chuckles. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the Hawaiian shirt's a little bit Magnum PI, uh, and I think, <clears throat> I think that was part. I think that was part of his uh, his, his his design um, yeah. because Magnum PI was very well, big. You know, Tom Selleck. It was it was a, it was a big hit on TV, and that's why uh, people took to Hawaiian shirts was because of that show. But Chuckles was he was the undercover guy, and uh, th- this was a guy who could go undercover, and it was like the one guy. Um, he may not have been as, as as crazy talented as Zartan was because, you know, he wasn't, uh, you know, a depraved bastard. But he was the one guy that could blend in as well as that. Um, I mean, I love it. His file card says that he was in, you know, he, he was, uh, he started out investigating insurance fraud and then decided to, you know, he, uh, you know, and then he joined the military to, uh, you know, to, uh, uh, you know, to basically weed out all the wrongdoing uh, uh, of, you know, the enemies of the world. And I, I don't know, Chuckles was just, he was just so cool and so unassuming. And, I mean, yeah, he was, and then, See, I never know, had Chuckles as a kid, but, because I didn't like the figure, but it, the concept grew on me, and I, I ended up, like, customizing one, I think, at one point in time. Because for me, Chuckles was um, the Felix Leiter of the GI Joeverse. He was the CIA li- liaison. Yes, he was. He was. Uh, he was. Uh, he was CIA yeah. all the way. I mean, he was yeah. like the 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 CIA operative was in the Eighteen movie. He was Felix Leiter from James Bond movies. He was the he he wore the Hawaiian shirt because he didn't give a. Fuck, because he was goddamn CIA. Yeah, uh, you know what? That that was a great portrayal. It when I was a kid, I wouldn't have understood what it meant. Um, but yeah, you're right. That's exactly what it was. He was, um, he was there to watch everybody and watch everything, and that was on both his side and the enemy side. Uh, if you were deploying chuckles, 
it was because there was some deep infiltration shit that had to happen, and you need to intel that even Lady J um, wouldn't have been able to get a hold of because he had to go into, you know, because she, you know, she'd infiltrate the military places, but he'd infiltrate these hole-in-the-wall towns where there was something seriously nefarious and, going on. And he was, a, and I always used him with uh, Falcon. Um, oh, that's a good idea. You know what? There's a pairing that I've never done in my own head. Yes, yeah, so, because Falcon was Green Bray, and those characters. guys are, you know, counterinsurgency and training the locals, and and Chuckles is right there beside him. Wow, man, I've never team those two up and now boy do I love those characters even more now with that idea and I absolutely detested his portrayal in the movie ah uh, yeah uh, I mean I love a guy that can throw a missile at a vehicle and blow shit up but um yeah okay it was a little bit dumb he was like a big oaf he didn't say anything no he, you know, he hung on he to the back the... of the tomahawk to you know he stayed yeah. on the top of the tomahawk to after he, he like kick started push started it yeah, that was pretty stupid. That was pretty uh, stupid. Uh, I like to think that if the third season happened, that we would have seen a little bit more of a secret agent vibe with him. Uh, but they, they would have expanded on him. But no, they probably would have kept him as the as the uh, as the uh, the lummox that just didn't say anything and just you know just uh, um, you know the, as, as the resourceful guy. Uh, but yeah, it was. Yeah, that was pretty And bad. as CIA agent, he was also my interrogator. Ooh, that's a good one. Yep. So, Boy, I've never even considered that aspect, but man, if he couldn't break it down, nobody could. Yep, He if if somebody needed to waterboard a cobra, it was Chuckles. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, Chuckles, I, I hated the figure as a kid, but, you know, the concept, I'm like, you know what, he'd make a good fucking CIA, CIA liaison like Felix Slider was to James Bond, and like the villain was in the 18 movie. And I'm like, you know, fuck, he, he's, he had a lot more depth, potential depth. And then, then, you know, if you CIA, then he's liaison with Falcon when he's working, working the ground behind the lines. And like, man, yeah, this is actually a really fucking versatile character. So I never had one, but I, I think I like imagined that I had one and that's how I used him. Um, my number three for 1987 is Sneak Peek. Uh, I know there's a lot of, like, hate towards, I don't know if it's hate, but, um, a lot of dislike towards the, towards the figure and towards the, the card art. I mean, you look at the card art of, of Sneak Peek and he's fat, right? JD, you still there? JD? JD?
Um, hey, so there. All right, so yeah, I just I didn't pause it, but I just stopped talking. So you'll have to. Edit no, that's that. fine. Um, uh, here's the thing with sneak peek. Well, let me let me let, let me start over. Okay. And then just re- edit this part out. So my number. Oh, yeah, that's fine. Uh, my number three for um, for 1987, I, I went with sneak peek. Um, I know there's a lot of people that don't like sneak peek. I mean, it's hard to like the guy when you look at the figure and you look at the card art because he looks like a a chubby bastard, and you're like, how did this fatty get on the GI Joe team? Until you read yeah, his, and, and to be a long range recon patrol right. Guy, until you read that, his file that, card yeah. and figure out that he's number one, he's a he's a tabbed ranger, and that he's long range recon patrol. And I'm like, I read that, and that's all I needed to know about sneak peek. And this guy is a badass, and I totally re envisioned him in one of my customs. And made him look like yeah, what, you did. what I thought he should have looked like to begin with. And that's definitely one of the ones I've gotten the most compliments on. It's like, okay, you know what? Now I'm looking at Sneak Peek in a completely different different light. You know, I changed here's, his, here's per, his with... periscope for a drone and made him look like he was long-range recon patrol. Um, you know, the thing with Sneak Peek is, and the, the one thing that really did it for me was uh, he only showed up a few times in the comic. He, he was integral to the beginning of the civil war uh, when, yes. when, when on the Cobra civil war, when, uh, when GI Joe deployed that small unit to Cobra Island to see, to see what, what the conditions were before they, uh, before they, you know, sent out the rest of the force. He was big there, but his most memorable scene, unfortunately is the one where they killed him in the comic, yeah. but he died a hero because uh, a couple of range vipers and a couple of valley vipers, and I think there may have been a frag viper, um, they set up a, a kind of a crossfire, uh, a trap where uh, they sent a few kids and, uh, you know, out in the street and, uh, you know, they basically set it up so that Sneak Peek had to uh, move them. You know, he had to get the kids out of the way and uh, the range viper shot him dead. Uh, he got caught in the crossfire, and uh, yeah, that was it. And then Dusty carried the body back to camp, and you know they kind of set up a friendship thing for them. Um, but he he died a hero, and that's kind of what you know that's that's what these special ops guys do. You know, they go into these things, and you know sometimes they take losses. You know, yeah. but but they do it in the service of the country. And uh, Sneaky, he, he just he never got the treatment that they should have because like you said his figure is just kind of dumb looking i mean they could you know what if you're gonna keep that sculpt please put him in military colors you know i i guess the night force figure kind of did that but nah i think it was too little too late yeah no i i'd agree with that um i was able to overlook that as a kid so that, that didn't bother me a whole lot but that was on that was my number three for uh, 87 is uh, Sneak Peek. So your number four? Um, Jinx. Oh. Um, so funny because, now I loved her portrayal in the movie. Uh, you know, she was sassy. Uh, you know, she had the, 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 the spiky hair. And, um, you know, she, uh, if anybody gave her cuff, she gave it right back, including the beachhead. You know, yeah. I know she puts a blindfold on and she beats, you know, she beats him handily, uh, you know, 
with a quote from the blind master even, but it it wasn't so much that it was just the kind of the way you saw Ninja Storm Shadow as as the guy uh, you know whose family history for the last three thousand years was to kill people and uh, do it efficiently and uh, you know and they gained the reputation. Well, she was his cousin and so she right. was part of that. So she had the same thing going for her. But that red figure was like they used this deep deep red plastic and it was just so cool like it looked like blood like literally if somebody's bleeding all over you weren't going to see it because it blended blended in perfectly with her uniform and man she was cool and again it was one that like barbecue i'm just like why have we ever get an unmasked version of yanks and we still haven't well yes we did yeah. but it sucked it oh, didn't capture know. It did capture her cartoon look, did. and that was kind of tragic. But I didn't like the um, San Diego Comic Con version, but I liked the Collectors Club version. I thought that was great using the um, the oh, right. Scarlet oh, version. I forgot they did the movie. I actually forgot they did the movie version. All right, yeah, that was a pretty good head sculpt, but they, they've never done one with the spiky black hair, no. and they should have. And yeah, that was one just like barbecue. I was like, why can't we get an unmasked version? But Man, that figure was cool, and and she had that staff, and she had the 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 the, the uh, you know the pack that that she could store uh you know store her swords into with the sheaths, and man, she was cool. I like, think one of the just, coolest things about that figure, she had painted fingernails. Yes, she did. She had painted fingernails, and she had that super detailed dragon uh, symbol, and. It, that was just that was just things that they didn't. But you're right; she's the only figure in the history of the line to have painted fingernails. Yeah, I thought and, I I got one recently, and I thought, oh man, it's got paint rubs on the on the hands. And I looked at it, and I'm like, no, her fingernails are painted. I don't that remember is that. So from funny a kid. because that's a detail that I completely forgot about. Um, but Same here. Just, there was something magical about that figure to me that I don't know. I just I always. I always really liked her, and that includes her portrayal in the cartoon, but she was portrayed a lot like that in the comic, too. And I don't know, Jinx, Jinx was, yeah, she worked for me. See, I, when I had her as a, as a kid, the, she was definitely on the Joe team, but no one knew whether or not to trust her because she was Rashikagi, and they knew it, so they weren't ever sure if she was, you know, there because... You know, is part of you know, part of Cobra for you know, like Storm Shadow or there or you know, Snake Eyes. They're just it was never very clear, but I kind of like that. See, that's that's so funny because that was something I never even considered when I was a kid. I just I always I always figured that the Joe team looked at her and basically said, um, uh, that you know, basically said, well. <clears throat> We need an ninja. We need somebody to go kick some ass and uh, and uh, and and not take any shit from anybody. And that was her. I never even considered that aspect. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, that she would have come. That she would have come with that uh, little bit of a uh, weight around her ankle because of the the association with the family. I. Yeah, never stopped, and it was never portrayed like that anywhere. So I know never occurred to me. I like it. Yeah, it's kind of one of the things I was dis- disappointed is they never, never really kind of went into that aspect of her. 
I mean, they kind of did in the movies, but not, you know, the retaliation movie, but not, not on that level. Um, no, no, no. Number four for 1987 is Tunnel Rat. Thank you, because if you didn't pick him, I was going to. So you've actually cleared up. You've actually cleared up a slot for me. I absolutely love that figure. Um, as a kid, I loved the, the fact that he had this huge backpack and it had the flashlights that were removable and could swivel, and he had that huge fucking awesome machine gun with a scope on it and you know he was on he was one of the guys that was on my short list of of ass kickers and then I when I was an adult I was like okay wait a minute this guy's tunnel is a is a tunnel rat <laughs> how did that backpack get through the tunnel how did he carry oh. a backpack and a large mach- a heavy machine gun in a friggin tunnel he yeah. You know what? Now, god damn it, I want to see that backpack repainted in white, and I want to time travel back, and I want to give that to uh, my six-year-old self and say, hey, give this to Iceberg. He needs a survival pack like yeah. that. Um, it's so funny because when I was a kid, um, that year, uh, 89, I didn't get Tunnel Rat until later. I saw him in the movie long before I ever had the toy. My dad got assigned to go live in Korea. And he sent that figure back to me because it was available then nice. uh, over there. And he sent it to me. I'm like, I have a tunnel rat. I never had one before. And, <clears throat> man, because I loved him in the cartoon. I loved the way they portrayed him in the movie with the smart mouth. And, and towards the end, he, he gets sucked. He gets eaten up by this giant worm going into Cobra Law. And he shoots through the side of it, puts a giant hole in this life form, and then laughs hysterically as he's running away. I'm like, oh, that's a dick. But when I got the figure, um, I lost the flashlight. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Yeah. Um, I but, never lost uh, any of the flashlights. I was always amazed. It, you know, it's just so funny because I had no idea what a tunnel rat was. I didn't realize did that I. Was what his function was. I always just saw him as the scrappy little dude from the movie who – and. It's funny because the movie portrayed him as being like short, kind of like a Wolverine thing, you right. know, which I guess kind of made sense because his face sculpt was based on Larry Hama who wrote Wolverine. So it was kind of like a meta thing. But um, that, yeah, that gear, I love that machine gun. And man, Tunnel Rat was, Tunnel Rat was great. Boy, I'm glad you picked him. Yeah. Um, I, you know, as a kid, I loved it. As an adult, I'm like, man, they really, really did not equip him properly. <laughs> they could have gone a whole <laughs> no. the, the the satchel charge. I think would it was fine, but he needed a, a much smaller backpack and a, a, a like a like the little assault rifle that the like the shock troopers came with from the Pursuit of Cobra. He needed. I would something. say his gear, uh, Footloose's backpack would have worked for Tunnel Rat. Yeah. Um. And the like the little machine gun that Alpine came with. Yes. Um, yeah. Um, but uh, well, you got to admit. Uh, I mean, you got to admire how much gear he did have, even if it was all wrong for his MLS. But yeah, yeah, that was definitely one of the reasons I loved him as a kid was how much gear he had. But yeah, it was definitely not the gear he should have had. But I didn't care as a kid, so. All right. Um, All right. The next one for you will be 
Uh, number five for 1987. Man, I'm so tempted to just say that that was my pick for five, too. God damn it. It was a coin toss all along. Mm. It's hard, right. isn't it? I'm going to give an honorable mention to the one that I was going to use for number five, but I can't realistically do it after I just heaped all kinds of praise on Tunnel Rat. Honorable mention is Sea Slug. Fucking weird. I know, but I loved it when I was a kid, and I just got a new one in near mint condition a couple weeks ago. And even though it's fucking goofy looking, there's just something cool about him that just... I don't know. He, he's a sea trooper, and he just he looks like he could do what the eels do, but not need any of the gear. I, I don't know. Like See, I've was, never had one. I I have a sea ray, but it didn't come with the figure, and I've um, never and I never saw the vehicle as a kid, so I never had the I mean, figure or the vehicle. He's he's a strange design with a strange helmet. I always kind of got the sense that he was like a lost member of Cobra Law, and I don't know if they did that intentionally, if it was a coincidence for the mm. year he came with. Yeah, they might have. A little bit insectoid, and uh, when I was a kid, he was actually a mutant. He he looked human, but, but he could actually breathe under the water. He, yeah. he had gills, and it was just this thing that I filled in for him, and, and I never cared about the vehicle. Had it, never cared about it. Uh, he was just he was a he was a special Cobra operative to me, and all right, I'll I'll stick with him as my number five because the, the the story that I attached to him made him so much more than he was ever intended to be. Um, but yeah, I basically saw him as the eel, but he didn't need any of the gear because he was just he was just that proficient. I guess I don't know. It it it's hard for me to explain, but. Even now, I kind of look at him. I'm like, man, eh, he's doofy looking, but man, I love it. Well, I mean, they sea slugs are qualified in uh, cobra eels. Are they? Yeah, yeah. Um, that's so funny because now I've read the file card, but I don't think I don't think that ever made an impact on me because I think that's just the way I already saw him. But all right, now that makes sense. Um, yeah, he's. He's such a he's such a crazy looking figure, but man, I can't help it. I love it because when I first started buying these old ring figures again, I got one and it was not in great shape, but I still liked it. But then I got a I got an amazing deal on a near mint one, and I, and I opened it. I'm like, yep, still has the same magic for me. Nice. Yeah, see, I just, it's one I never had, never saw nothing. I don't I don't th- I I think maybe I've seen one in person once, but. Yeah, never, never had a reason to get one. Uh, even as a big fan of the Navy of uh, the Cobra Eels, just I never needed one to fill out my ranks. Um, number five for me, and we'll wrap it up for this episode and wrap it up for 1987 is Outback. I I was surprised he wasn't higher on your list. Not that we're ranking these; we no. didn't name these in the order that we liked them. We just named them in the order that. Or, or you know, you know whichever one seemed appropriate. But I, I would, I just, I expected Outback to actually be your first one that you picked. Um, that beard was amazing. Nobody yes. else had a beard like that. Nope. Totally against army regulations. Says that he is not somewhere where regulations are ever an issue. 
He's Delta Force. I mean, right. never mind the, the movie thing. No, he's just, that's what they are. I mean, they run around with beards. They run around with crazy hair. But they're military operatives to the very core. Yes, absolutely. I, you know, I love that figure that he's, you know, one of those, one of those guys they drop. He's, he's kind of like, to me, he's the, the Joe foil for the, um, uh, Range Viper. Yeah, he's just, you know, he, he is truly a lone operator. They even portrayed yes. him like that in the issue of the comic where he's the guy that set up the rescue of those guys that got stuck in the gulag. But he was just so cool. And he had, you know, he was all muscle-bound, and you know, you know, he could kick some ass and 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 just, you know, and have a party while he did it. I mean, right. but he was just as content to be alone for months by himself out doing the questionable things that he would have to do. Absolutely. And I, yeah, uh, he was one of the figures that was, would you be quiet? He was one of the figures that was in that set that I bought. And unfortunately he's missing the flashlight. That pegs well, into Well, you could always go on eBay and pay 20 bucks for the flashlight. Well, I, I did. I looked for the, just the <laughs> flashlight and you can't find just the flashlight. So would you hush? So, um, yeah, I, you know, I loved everything about the character, the, the gear that was like the first removable web gear, like truly web gear, um, the backpack that, you know, you could live for months out of. And, uh, I always had a thing for the rifles that had slings with them. Cause then he could always carry something else, you know? You know what? Tunnel rat should have had, uh, if he'd come with a smaller gun, he should have had a, a sling on his rifle. Uh, same with Ripcord. He could have done with that, too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but uh, so any of, the, any of the guns that had slings on them were, were automatic favorites for me because, you know, you don't carry your gun all the time. Well, and it was a completely realistic weapon. Like, yeah. it was a real-world weapon. Um, what is it? The, hell, the, the Heckler and Koch... Ah, something or another. Yeah, I don't remember. Uh, things badass looking. Yeah, so, um, yeah, that was my pick for 1987 was uh, Outback. Uh, and I think that's, let's see where we're at here. Um, oh, geez, yeah, we're at like three hours and 15 minutes here. You know, some of that will we'll trim because there's some uh, dead space in there. But, yeah, uh, um... But for everybody who's still listening, thank you uh, for tuning in. Uh, we're going to do uh, 88 to the end of the line next episode, so it won't be any shorter, so prepare yourselves. Um, but <clears throat> thanks for listening to our, uh, to our rants and our rambles here because, man, we just had to do a Real American Hero episode because we both got back into the O-ring figures and Man, I, I, I suddenly see him as the same magical thing I always did. That for years I didn't really, and now yeah, we're back. Same here. And I'm like, man, it. They just, I don't know. You just there, there. There's never been a better toy line than this, and this episode embodies why we think so. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, you know, when the 25th anniversary figures came out, I'm like, man, these are what GI Joe should have been. All this extra articulation. Yeah, and, me too. And then, and now I don't see it. That no, I don't much anymore. It's definitely uh, not the and, 25th and anniversary. And like the 25th remake of Outback sucked. Um, 
uh, you know, it's just a bunch of repaint parts and a cool head sculpt. And yeah, they they've never recaptured him. I think that Pursuit of Cobra one did all right, but or was there Pursuit? No, I'm thinking of something. Mm. I think in nope. one of the clubs, the club did one in one of the like sets that I liked. Yeah. Um. But <clears throat> well, thanks for listening to Santa Facilda General Geekery. Uh, we're gonna do another one before Brian leaves, so that you guys can hear it after he's gone. Um. Yeah, this is fun. So absolutely. All right.